Hey everybody, how's it going? Wait, how do we start this again? I don't know. Uh, my name's Basil. And this is Gons. And you're listening to Canary Cry Radio. First episode in like <laughs> eight months. I know, I'm having a hard time remembering how this goes. Um, but, uh, it, well, it has been eight months, but it's been a long time. Um, and, you know, I don't know. We've apologized for taking too long to put out episodes so many times. So uh, just know that we are. We're not going to make a big deal about it. But we do have some things um, to talk about as far as, you know, we, we just want you guys to know what's going on, uh, especially in Gonz's life, right? Gonz? Oh, yeah. It's Gons? exciting. Gons has two, two crippled hands, two hands that are not in full functioning order. Well, they're not crippled. Well, they kind of are. They're they're unusable to their full capacity, right? Yeah, they're limited yeah. in their. In have their we talked abilities. about this? Have we put anything? You have you shared yeah, anything no, on I, Facebook? Okay, I posted yeah a thing on Facebook when it happened. And all right, so a lot of that. you may know about this, but if you don't like avidly follow Gons on the on his Facebook, you wouldn't know fine. this. I don't. Which really is mind. not okay. <laughs> you need to go follow him uh, and listen to the Joy Spears Theory by Basil Rosewater. Um, <laughs> but Gons, okay, tell us. Do both of your hands are 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 wrong. Yeah, they're not right. Yeah. So my right hand, the fourth metacarpal, which is basically the bone in your hand. Yeah, it's playing some basketball the and is connected to the wrist bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all, there's a lot of little bones in there and luckily none of those got broken or out of place. You know, it was just, it was just the metacarpal bone that snapped. So and the wrist bone is connected yeah, to no, the arm bone. Nothing wrong with the wrist bone, but, oh, okay. um, so I was playing basketball and I did this 360 dunk over this guy and <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. In my head, maybe, yeah, I was gonna let it go. <laughs> that might have been what was going on in my head. No, actually, I was just reaching for for the ball. He's and, a cool basketball guy. Yeah, and this guy moved and sort of ran towards me, and my hand kind of ran into his chest, and <laughs> and, uh, and I like and, the three sixty backflip better. Yeah, yeah, I know, but yeah. So basically, I I heard the pop and I felt it. It felt like a really hard knuckle pop. Gons touched a guy's chest, and <laughs> it was it was, it was dead so on. Impressive. Oh, it was actually dead on the sternum. So if that <laughs> makes a difference, okay. It so does. anyway, I, yeah. So I felt the pop, and in hindsight, that was the bone snapping, which it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Oh, but at the time, it was like, oh, it was just a really bad knuckle crack, and you know, I'm like in complete denial. I kind of knew in the back of my hand that something was wrong, or back of my hand, back of my head. That something was wrong. <laughs> I knew at the back of my hand. The was back wrong. of my hand was literally, it was broken. But Yeah, there was something wrong. Yeah. But yeah, so I went a week just kind of doing my thing, you know, um, play guitar on Sunday. I mean, it was painful, but it was, I was just like, that's oh, fine, you know. That is like a bruise or something. Yeah, I'm like, you know, yeah. I can't pick anything up with my hand, but you know, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> a week goes by. This is fine. Yeah, so literally on the seventh seventh day i was like it's not getting better i should probably get it checked out so i went and got it x-rayed and um the x-ray lady there was like hey um how long have you had this because your hand is broken so i was like i thought you're not supposed to tell me that you know the the people that run those machines aren't supposed to tell you what's wrong with you you know yeah but she's like well i don't have to say anything i can just show you so she showed me the x-ray and she showed me where it was snapped so 
guy put me in a cast, a doctor, and then just been in a cast for a few weeks now and it's healing. It's, I went back just a few days ago and it's fused back in. So there's that. And then my other hand got it into a little scuffle and my kind of my pinky and ring finger are sort of jacked up. <laughs> got in a little scuffle. Yeah. You was got it, in a fight. No, we didn't. I know it was not a fight. They fought each other. No. Okay. It was just a, a situation. I'm just gonna so leave it there. So the okay, so it's it's both of your hands are out of commission, which has made first of all uh, editing and doing anything on the oh computer gosh. is is oh, it's really painfully slow really funny and... to hear you try to do things. Um, and yeah, so anyways, that, so that's the that's the story. Uh, Gons is has two broken hands, not broken, but they're they're not working. To their full capacity. Well, they're broken. Yeah. Are they broken? Well, they're one broken. is. One's broken. The yeah. other one's just damaged, but you know. Right. Damaged. The, the, the hand bone's connected to the wrist bone and the wrist bone's connected to the arm bone. And so there's some serious problems. Um, so that, that is one reason why a lot of this has uh, taken so long. I just want to just call everybody to pray for Gons. And uh, I, I have been receiving a lot of prayer about this. And a lot of prayer. All the it's face, healing. It's coming All the back. Facebook peeps. You know, Gons has this superpower. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the X-Men and Wolverine, where his body, like where Wolverine's body heals itself. Gons has that same power. His hands are literally healing themselves as we speak. It's it, amazing. It just, it just takes 30 yeah. times longer. It just takes like six <laughs> months. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's an incredible mutant. <laughs> you Nephilim shill. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so that's that's going on. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter what's going on. I've had some things going on, but they're not even as half as interesting as that. Um, but so there you go. There you go. Things have been taking a while, but we appreciate you guys still staying on board with us. Um, I'm hoping everybody received their USB drives. I know there's a couple of you where you moved and we had to change addresses and stuff and the, your USB drives are on the way. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the Canary Cry Radio uh, USB archive drives so Canary Cry Radio can live on long into the apocalypse. Uh, most of you should have received those. I still don't have addresses for a couple of you guys, so just email Canary Cry Radio if you believe you should be receiving one of those. And if you would like to receive one, um, you can uh, go to canarycryradio.com slash support and sign up for $15 a month, and we'll just send you one as a gift, and it's wonderful. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll send two, since they've been taking so long to go out. But uh, so, so go do that. Um, anyways, this is an interesting episode, Gons. This was a, This might have been the number one episode that didn't go according to plan. You know, hands are really magnificent pieces of flesh. Gons <laughs> has been really, really grateful and appreciative of his hands. I, I just have to say, you know, it, when you when you open those USBs, you know, in the envelopes <laughs> with your hands, with your, hands, your, wor with your working hands, just, just you know, just give a little thanks to God. You what know, it, for what all has those it been like? You know, we we talked about it a little bit earlier before, and I just want to take a second before the show. We'll get to it soon here, but. Like, what has the experience been like to, like, have two hands that aren't working right? Okay, so number one, appreciation. 
for your hands okay. and just all the things. And then, you know, perspective of like, wow, what you do with them matters kind of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but so, and, and I just, I'll, I want to be a 100% transparent and hopefully this makes you feel more comfortable too. We were talking about this before we hit record and, uh, you know, you, you had mentioned that it had been actually pretty profound. And I said, wait, don't talk about it now. Let's talk about it on the air. Right. So that's what we're doing here, just so everybody knows. I don't know why I had to stipulate that, but <laughs> but there you go. Just to make you feel better. No, I just wanted you to feel comfortable that you didn't have to like come up with know, something. Well, yeah, perform or no, something. No, no, no. I, there's just stuff in my head, and that's the thing is, I've been in my head a lot more, you know, and and it's taught me patience. Obviously, you can't do things quite right, right. you know, like real basic things like putting your keys in the door thing, you know. If your hand doesn't, it's just, it's just, I don't know. There's a level you of have frustration. Like casts and like bracers or stuff. Well, yeah, like my right hand has a cast. My left hand is, is just trying to get it working again. It's just limp. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, it's been really kind of humbling. It's like, oh, wow. You know, just the, the things you do with your hands, um, patience, but also, you know, um, it, it's, it's gotten me to sort of think about, I don't know. This is a really, really weird segue, but I've been getting into coding and, and yeah. not, not like I'm not going to become this like great coder or anything like that, but like, <laughs> I'm just I'm fascinated by the whole thing. And it, it comes at a time when I really can't type on a computer, but it, it just made me go deeper into, you know, how all that works. And, um, there was something that got triggered in my head with the lack of ability to use my hands that really got me thinking about how a computer works for some reason and just how analogous it is to, everything with software and hardware and coding right. and everything else. And just, I don't know, it's been a fascinating, you've kind been of having a spiritual experience learning how to code basically. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> Sort of, but it, it's, it's just more, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it prompted something in my head that was probably wouldn't have, if I didn't have issues with the hands kind of thing, you know, it's a blessing yeah. in disguise kind of thing. So yeah, you know, we'll see where it takes me and all that stuff, you know, but so if there's a virus that takes down the entire, uh, world banking system, you can thank guns. Also uh, quite. probably a anonymous or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably them more likely than me. That's I'm, a whole nother story, but I, yeah. All right. Well, Gons, everybody's praying for you out there. Just know that Gons, you got, he's, you know, he's, he's that guy. He's the guy with <laughs> two not working hands having existential crises while trying to learn how computers work. <laughs> wow. That really so. makes, that, that really just put a, put a bow on it. I mean, I, you summed up my life in, uh, what was that? Six breaking, words? Six breaking, or seven words? Breaking his hand on some guy's chest. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Just so everybody has a little update. And yeah. And, uh, and for those of you who have been uh, contacting me about the joy spiracy theory, um, I know I make a joke about promoting it on here so much, but uh, yeah, that took a little backseat for a little while too, but we have a new episode up there came out about last week and we have a brand new episode coming out soon. The joy spiracy theory.com. You know, what's weird. ITunes. You know, what's weird is that, this episode, if, if I didn't hurt my hands, it would have probably come out two weeks ago. 
Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, but here's well here's I the think thing. We recorded it two weeks. But well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It would have oh, come out ooh, two ooh. weeks ago because you would have done it the day we recorded, <laughs> or something. I don't know. I was gonna go with something a little more trippy, but oh, okay. You know how we recorded? We would have recorded it before, and then when we released it, it would have been before the stuff happened. Yeah, or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, not cool. Okay, so and just to give a little disclaimer. Oh yeah, not cool at all. Um, we recorded this episode with uh, our good buddy Justin Fall. He's the uh, podcaster who does the Fourth Watch, an excellent podcast. You should go check it out. Um, and we had plans to talk about all sorts of stuff, uh, and you'll hear that we kind of mentioned that, but. Um, we kind of just, you know, as podcasters do, you know, when we don't have an official person to interview, uh, it just sort of goes off the rails a little bit. And this isn't like a go off the rails, like, like a Josh Peck go off the rails. Um, this is, uh, you know, we, we talk about some current events and we just meant to touch on it for a second, but we ended up taking a lot of time, um, just on random stuff. So this is more of a pretty, uh, loosey goosey conversation with Justin fall. And, and, and I think it was pretty great. Well, do you know that was, do you remember what I told you before we talked to him? Maybe you asked me, you know, what we're talking about. Oh, right. And I, and I more or less said, Hey, he's a host of a podcast himself, you know, <laughs> right. so it's going to be three hosts. So I'm not going to plan anything, you know, right, <laughs> just like, right. let's just go. Right. And it turned out, I thought it turned out good. It turned out, it was a wonderful conversation. I love the conversation. You know, we wanted to hit more on some CERN stuff and some, well, we got you know, time some, to do that. Or yeah, do we? some classic, some classic Canary Cry radio material. Um, but it's a little, you know, it, it, like, like we've been saying, it turned out a little different. Um, but I think everybody's going to like it because I know I sure did. And if nothing else, it'll uh, give you something to listen to in your cubicle or in traffic or while walking the dog. Mowing hey there, the Ashley from Ohio, uh, walking your dog right now. Uh, this one's for you. You always pull those out of, you know, out of nowhere. You know, once in a while they hit. I know. Once in a while they hit. I know. And then um, it gives you the whole, you know, creepy <laughs> shill medium title or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, look, he's practicing oh, some sort true. of witchcraft on, yeah. on the podcast. where he... That's true. That could be misconstrued. Just so everybody knows, I am completely pulling those out of thin air. <laughs> and it is just the law of big numbers. If I get one of those right. <laughs> I just, I'm surprised that you have, you're mundane enough for the possibility to exist. You know, you're not doing anything too specific. That's, you know, that's what's good about it. It's, well, that's it's not what they general. call, that's what they call a cold read. Actually, yeah. Gons. actually, we should do a podcast about that. Have you looked into that? I've been spending some time looking into like, just the, the phenomenon of psychics and okay. Don't get me wrong, people. I'm not trying to become a psychic or trying to prove psychic. <laughs> are real Seriously, obviously Basil, what's obviously deal? we all have we all know what's going on there it's either complete fraud basically or it's a gift uh used wrongly or it's some sort of um spiritual uh wrongness or, yeah deep hey there you go good old vocabulary gons is what they call you it's i pulled it up <laughs> everybody tweet with the hashtag phone Vocabulary gone. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's go. Let's get anyways. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm not psychic. I just said that. 
Um, let's get in the episode because this is really going off the rails. Okay. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Roughly 2 a.m. on Sunday morning, a gunman opened fire inside of Pulse, a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida, killing 50 people and injuring dozens of others. 49 victims dead, 53 injured at a gay nightclub in Orlando. Tonight, a nation in mourning over lives lost. Although it's still early in the investigation, we know enough to say that this was an act of terror. Act of terror and an act of hate. And as Americans, we are united in grief, in outrage, and in resolve to defend our people. Everyone was overwhelmed with grief when Orlando was struck by tragedy. A gunman opened fire on a gay nightclub in Orlando, killing 50 people as of right now, and another 53 are injured. It marks the deadliest shooting in U.S. history, and upon hearing the news of the tragic events, celebrities took to social media to voice their support for the victims. Unfortunately, this was not the only tragedy that struck this weekend. As many of you guys know, YouTube megastar and voice alum Christina Grimmie was fatally shot and killed at her Orlando meet and greet on Friday evening. Now, this all happened following her concert at the Plaza Live Theater. Christina was signing autographs and meeting her fans when a guy named Kevin James Loyable, a 27-year-old who had traveled from St. Petersburg, Florida, shot her in the head. A two-year-old child is missing after being attacked by an alligator outside the Grand Floridian Resort at Disney World near Orlando. Basically, that means a pulse is either a chickpea, a pea, a lentil, or a bean. And the UN wants you eating more of them this year. Declared 2016 the year of pulses. Hey, what's up, everybody? Nick Hall here, standing on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. So excited to come back to Ukraine for Pulse. The movement is growing. Last year was insane. This year's going to be even better. Want to encourage you to come on out to the movement training event and also be praying for your friends on your Keep Five card. God is moving, the time is now. Listening to Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 107. 107. Finally. Finally. Finally, Gons. I know. I know. Uh, our guest tonight is the host of the fourth watch. It's Justin Fowl. Fual? Fowl? Fual. Fowl. It's Fual. 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 Is it really? It's full. It was full all. It's, it's German for I'm here to fool you all. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, because you're obviously no, it is a fall. shell. Basil, fall. Okay. you listen here, Basil. Basil. It is fall. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is fall, like fall the season. Okay, we have Justin Fiauli here. Uh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> uh, we were having some name wars earlier, everybody. But uh, yeah, this is Justin Fall. Awesome guy. He might be calling me Basil or Basil. Probably Basil through the whole I've thing. already repented. <laughs> Thank God. I praise Jesus for your repentance. Uh, but anyways, it's super late. This is going to be one of those, like, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a little wacky, but this is going to be good. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. You guys rock. Uh, can I say how great your uh, microphone sounds? Thank you. 
You're well. <laughs> Ooh, that was that was good. Your radio really voice. Good. Yeah. All right. So you're you're you know Canary Cry Radio has uh, we've been absent for a couple months, but you're you're breaking the cycle, man. You're you're the breakfast of Canary Cry Radio right now. Well, I just want to say it all. It's all thanks to Super Mill Vitality. Just go over to InfoWarsShot.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that was plagiarism wow you're gonna have was, to edit me no, we kidding. will that was really good we'll we'll have to pay no, some royalties we'll, we'll, that was no, actually we'll 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 file it under fair use or satire so okay, we're, we're yeah. good we're covered that was well, good satire though. thank you i uh i can only do alex jones voice so long before my voice hurts <laughs> yeah no i'm the same way <laughs> that's why they pay him the big bucks maybe we'll have right. alex jones off later later on in the episode but we gotta get we got to get into oh, it. Yeah, there's this stuff is happening, to man. Canary Cry Radio. Ooh, that was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. take over. Yeah. yeah. I could do right. your intro. I'll only charge you like $5. <laughs> I, I think we could get some donations for that. Well, it's like Jake the Snake. You know, he like gained 300 pounds and he was on crack cocaine. And then uh, uh, I guess Diamond Dallas Page reached out to him and was like, hey, I started a, a yoga center in Atlanta. I'm going to put you through my yoga program. And now he's all healthy and happy. And I have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> I just learned that tonight. My brother told me that. Okay. And so I was just like kind of comparing that to Canary Cry, you know, kind of like being I, know, not, out of the picture and then back in. And am I not cool if I don't know who like any of those people are that you just Jake mentioned? the Snake, bro? You didn't watch wrestling back in the day? Yeah, you didn't watch some WWF no. before no. it was E? No, it all makes sense now. Some, I some never, bushwhackers, some, I, I, some bush dude. I had <laughs> I had their it was like a two by four made out of styrofoam. Oh, that's, that's, um, oh gosh, uh, that's a different dude, right? The two, uh, guy that, with the two uh, by four, that's uh, Hacksaw, Jim, Hacksaw Duggan. Jim Duggan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to pay so some, many royalties. Some ultimate warrior. Episode. Oh man. And, and the undertaker. I won't yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll do the under, well, I did the undertaker back in the day. He was kind of creepy. <laughs> My love for the horror genre when I was a kid. Yeah. Well. You know, he, he was around for a long time. He did the whole casket thing. It's was, it was pretty, pretty gnarly. Anyway. I only do luchadores. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> see watched, him on your YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, the El Chupacabra, he's a real, he's a real monster. Um, also, it's a real creature. Thank you. Know, you. The problem, though, is the, uh, the Mexican wrestlers, they don't have health insurance like they do here, so they die really young. <laughs> yeah, they really, need to, they really need to unionize. I've been saying that for years. This is going to be a wacky one, so I hope everybody's uh, following along. All right, so we got you on the show. Everybody knows that you are the host of The Fourth Watch, an awesome uh, podcast uh, that we we were on at one point. Were you one of the 100th episode guys that we uh, came on during your 100th episode, or what was that? I'm the rare host that did not celebrate his 100th episode. I figured, hey, that's little. That's small change. I'm going to wait till I get up to like 5,000 and then celebrate wow. How many episodes you got right now? I don't know because I, I, I started out on a network in California and then we kind of had to part ways after like eight months. So I'm kind of behind on counting my episodes. I have you to double check num- that. You don't number the episodes as they come out. No, I just, every show is like a documentary, you know? Oh, I just, yeah. Well, you've got a great podcast and everybody out there right now should go listen to it. It's, uh, you know, Justin Fall, he's, he's in the group. He's in the, he's, he's his own unique individual but he's one of he's one of the cool 
cool guys. Thank so you. Uh, go do that. It's called The Fourth Watch. Um, okay. So, uh, I mean, we're going to get into some serious stuff here. Uh, Are we? Because at this point, we're just kind of just like shooting the breeze. I know. I'm really trying to get this on track. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault. It's really not easy to do. Um, but, you know, you're just a fun guy. We, we like fun guys. We like having fun. That's what we're okay, doing. So uh, am I interviewing you all tonight? Yes, you were good because I've got my questions. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Fourth Watch with Justin Fowley. Uh, my name is Basil, and here we go. Um, no, so okay, so this is going to be a little bit of like a almost like a podcaster trio type situation because um, I don't know. Did you write a book recently? Did you come out with some like brand new uh, scientific research or something that we should focus on? I bought a new pair of Vans. Okay, so we're here with Canary Cry Radio. We're going to talk about the new pair of Vans and uh, how the Nephilim are taking over the shoe industry. Um, you've done they're some- hybrids. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, uh, let, me, let, me, let me let me ask you this to to actually nail it down and, and get All right, started. Here, here we go. Actually, uh, nail it down. Just before we get into like some of the more current stuff that's going on, what's been your journey? Like what? What, what did you go through? You know, when were you saved and what brought you to the place where you're doing fourth watch? Like what got you started? Oh, uh, well, um, like many others out there, um, I was raised in a Christian home and, uh, I got to a certain age where I just wanted to rebel. And, uh, I just, I got out there and I, I did that. I got my, I got my cards punched in the world and just living for the world, man. And uh, there's no glory in that whatsoever. And my parents were praying for me all those years. And uh, I I think what really happened was uh, I I really cut my teeth on the paranormal. And so much was happening. And I was having some some really strange experiences that just made me realize that there was so much more than what I had been taught. And kind of got into some of the Chuck Missler teachings on the Nephilim uh, at a young, you know, when I was young in, in the waking up phase. And um, woke up to the 9-11 stuff. And uh, before I knew it, uh, I really put my focus into learning as much of the supernatural as I could, but within the, the realm of the biblical narrative. And so that's, that's pretty much how I got my start. Here I am 12 years later and uh, got a podcast. I like to talk about it. And uh, it's really cool to be able to, to come together with other believers because so many believers are living in this denial and they just, they, their head is in their sandbox. And so it's really great to be able to, to talk to other believers and, and to help wake them up. And nothing feels better than to get an email from somebody saying, hey, thank you for what you're doing because I'm waking up. You're teaching me so much. And so that, that's what it's all about. It's about edifying. It's about sharing the gospel and educating people on what's really going on in the world uh, you know, from a, an alternative perspective. Because I think, uh, unfortunately, these things should not be called fringe topics, in my opinion but they are called fringe topics because of the conditioning that the world has been put through. So to be able to break these topics out, educate people, open their eyes. That's, that's my goal, man. Uh, end times worldview, supernatural worldview, um, all through the lens of a biblical understanding. Amen. Good stuff. Awesome. 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 What was like the, the first big thing that you started the podcast with. I mean, I could go back to episode one and listen to it, but, um, you know, everybody, especially when you decide to do a podcast, you kind of have like a focus. What was your first like focus at the beginning? I felt like I needed to kind of just deal the cards out about the new world order and just get it out there for any Christians that might not see that it's real, see that it's, it's, it's here and it's now. 
Um, but as soon as I got those knocked out, I, I did a couple episodes on the New World Order, getting into um, the outlines that the Illuminati has made. Um, just unbelievable information that a lot of Christians would not know about. And I got into some, some, uh, some acts that were passed by the government, some bills that were passed, um, got into FEMA a little bit. And uh, as soon as I got that out on the table, I went ahead and jumped right into the supernatural and uh, just, I mean, the alien agenda, the Nephilim, right. hybrids, chimeras, uh, hollow earth. Uh, I'm a big proponent of the hollow earth. Yeah, and, buddy, uh, hollow earth all the way. You know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to give you all a sneak peek. Uh, I am working on funding myself uh, a full length documentary on the hollow earth. Um, I've got so much research. And what's interesting is so many people out there that, that mention it or they talk about it, they don't go deep enough. They don't get into all the connections. And so I've got so much information. It's probably going to be a two and a half to three hour documentary film. And uh, I really want to just go out guns blazing with this documentary. I want to make it so well. So um, as soon awesome. as I, yeah, as soon as I get the time, I've already got the research done. I've got my notes done. I've just got to put that plan into action. And then, you know, maybe I can come back on and talk about it once it's done. Now I'm interested because first of all, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I won't say I'm a hundred percent hollow earth, but you know, with all the recent flat earth stuff mm -hmm. and as a podcaster, I'm sure you got tons of emails about how you should, you know, get on the flat earth train just as much as Gons and I did. Um, and, you know, I'm not totally against the flat earth thing. I, I'm not definitely not convinced. Um, but a lot of people out there are like, it, it is salvation or not, whether the earth, earth is flat or not. Um, what I mean, did you get that? Would, yeah, did well, the you, problem, did you, you do the anything problem, on the flat earth? Uh, the problem is that you're still living in the Luciferian spherical model. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. I mean, no disrespect. Look, if, look, if somebody's listening right now and you're flat Earth, that was not meant to stab at you. Um, matter of fact, I've got some dear friends that are flat Earth. I think it's ridiculous that we're even having to debate the shape of the Earth in 2016 uh, because honestly, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, um, I've had people write me and tell me that if I don't start talking about the flat Earth on the Fourth Watch, I need to just shut down the Fourth Watch and find something else to do with my time. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody actually had 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 the um, the milk carton to say that to me. <laughs> you were going <laughs> to say something else. Good job. And again, not a, nothing against the flat earthers, really. I mean, I think there's some pretty fascinating um, pieces of evidence. I would say some of the stuff that they consider uh, like the main points. I I don't know if I totally agree with, but a, a lot of the stuff concerning the sun and the moon and the the I don't know, just a lot of stuff. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Here, here's, but here's the thing that you buy in completely. Yeah. Well, here, here's kind of where I've landed so far on this is okay. So people always say, do your own research, conduct your own experiments, you know, here and, you know, do this, do that, come to your own conclusions. Great. And when you do your own experiments, the, you know, the issue is that let's say you, you go out onto a lake or whatever and you put a laser on the side of the lake and you go off and, and no, oh, the the laser didn't you know move at all. So therefore, it, the Earth is flat. Well, no, it, it doesn't prove much other than you know the distance between you and the laser is not curved, you know, or not like supposedly the curve that it's supposed to be or whatever. Curved but it, enough. It doesn't go beyond that. Even the people that say, oh, you know, this guy put a camera, a, a non. Um, you know, bubble lens camera on a balloon and went up there and it's flat. Well, it doesn't prove anything beyond what the camera sees. It doesn't 
actually prove if it's flat or if it's a sphere or not. So I, I think with all these topics, there's always more variables than what people are considering, you know, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm sort of wrestling with or, 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 uh, you know, I kick it around in my head when I go to the whole shape of the earth thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's sort of a, Justin, let me know what you think. Cause you've done the research on the, the, the hollow earth thing. What if the hollow earth, the flat earth and the sphere earth were all one in the same? Dun, dun, dun. And I know it sounds like a mutually exclusive thing, but it, it goes along with a lot of the, uh, not dimensional stuff, but the, the, yeah. uh, what, what, what's the actual word for it? Um, ah, nuts. Anyways, Justin, what do you think about that? No, I mean, I, I, I think that, um, I think back to, uh, Josh Peck, um, right. Josh, you know, Josh yes. Peck talked about the, um, the, Flatland. I forget the, Flat. Uh, well, yeah, the flatland, and also you get into what was it, the Salvador Dali painting mm -hmm. uh, of the cross, and you've got the crucifixion taking place on this cross. And what's interesting is that, like, we would see a cross as flat, but if you were looking at it through the multi-dimensional glasses that you say, had the fourth a, dimension, a, yeah, an extra-dimensional being would see it, it would be like you know all these different. And so, I mean, yeah, it, could it be possibly? Um, flat in one aspect and then really a sphere and another i don't know i mean yeah. you know, I, I don't know you, you, I you mean, also have to consider um the whole idea of a torus you, you know the shape of a torus the infinite sort of donut, donut shape yeah and if you consider that and you think about sort of the flat earth model and why are they blocking the north pole and the south pole you know is it, it could be that it's more of a flattish shape but then you know it's kind of it bends in on itself sort of so that it, there is sort of a hollow earth aspect to it that you can go on the inside, but then it, I don't know. Well, they're just ideas be, I'm kicking around. No. That, and I think it's good to kick ideas around. And, and like I always tell people, um, healthy discussion is good for everyone. You know, if you can be respectable and have a healthy discussion about something, whether it be the timing of the rapture, um, Jewish bloodlines, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, prophecy, whatever it may be, flat earth. Unfortunately, you just, there's not enough people out there that will talk about the flat earth. Um, and be nice about it. Yeah. Right? That's, I mean, that's literally, my, you know, yeah, that's but I'll say thing. this though. I mean, people have asked me, they're like, why don't you get on here and talk about it? I mean, people have, there's only been one guy that really got nasty and told me I need to basically, uh, you know, sell my equipment and, and start something else. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, you know, wow. and Hey, look, you know, he, he's such a great producer, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be the next YouTube sensation. Um, but, uh, here's the thing. This is what I tell people if they write me and they're being nice and they, they want to know why I don't cover the flat earth. This is what I say. My first answer is when I wake up in the morning, nothing is going to be different if the earth is flat or round. Yeah. It's not going to change the gospel message. It's not going to change anything. And then I also say, if you're really interested in, in hearing teaching on the flat earth, I said, there's a Hebrew roots guy out there that has devoted his entire life to it. Every waking breath, he talks about the flat earth. And I'm sure you can go find about a hundred hours of his podcast where he's explaining his life mission of finding out if the earth is flat. That's kind of where I land on it because I right. mean, there's plenty of people out there who have done so much research in the flat earth, um, you know, and, and just because I don't agree with them on it because I, because I don't think it's that valuable to me. Um, I still can appreciate the fact that there's guys out there who have put in all these hours um, for the sake of those who want to learn. Right. Yeah. Did, did I just cross the line with what I just said? Was that like, nope. uh, that was I wasn't beautiful. stabbing I that wasn't was, stabbing anybody. No, that no. was very beautiful. And that and that's an answer that me and Gons have had to give, or Gons and I have had to give uh, plenty of times, which is, you know, some things are our mission and some things are not our mission. And some things I, we... Are y'all seeing this in the, in the Hebrew Roots movement? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I am. I am. I, yeah, I've seen, I mean, it's there. 
I've seen some of that and, and it's, here's, here's kind of where I come down with all this stuff too. And, you know, we can lump in the mandala effect and some people get mad that I lump it in both together, but I get the feeling that, you know, even the way flat earth became a, a sensation in the last year and a half uh, is a little bit strange to me. Like I, I understand like the, the information and the research and all that. And even the biblical passages, you can, you, you can render it as, you know, Oh God is describing a flattish cosmos or whatever. But in terms of the way it's entered into the conversation, especially for Christians in, you know, sort of the truther community, if you want to even call it that, it, it was very bizarre to me. And that's why I stepped away from it for about a year, looked at it and said, okay, let's see where this all goes. And then I'll sort of start sharing my ideas and thoughts on it after watching the community respond. And again, like you mentioned, Justin, it's bad. Like people are very passionate about it and it's like a, it's a live or die topic to people. And that itself makes me question, like, why is it so, why is it such a weaponized thing? You know, it, it's become this huge point of emphasis. And I actually think that as the conspiracy community at large, you know, uncovered the new world order and really the fallen angel and the UFOs and aliens, those topics were the central sort of pivot point or the, uh, you know, the, the, the catalyst, if you want to call for the whole Christian truth community and the whole Genesis six paradigm and the Nephilim. And that stuff was really what drew all of us, you know, into this alternative community, like, Whoa, there is something so powerful and true about the Bible. But then, you know, once everyone sort of got that into their system or through their system, they're like, all right, what's next? And it almost yeah. feels like somebody out there fed us some topics, you know, to keep us sort of distracted and that's what, that's what it feels like to me, especially with all the stuff going on with the UN, with the Pope, oh. with, with the, the, all this stuff happening right. that we'll get into today. But, you know, the, some of those issues, I think, have developed quite a bit in the last six to eight months. And yeah. we're not talking about it because we're arguing over if the earth is flat. Right. There's, there's distracting elements that are, that, that are introduced at key points. I mean, it's just like any other news cycle, really just, it seems to be on a longer cycle, but you know, it's something comes up to get all the truthers fighting each other. I mean, I think for obviously for a while it was the flat earth and then now it's the Mandela effect. And people are fighting for the Mandela effect with just as much fervor as anything else. And at least on my feed, it seems like Flat Earth has been forgotten. Everybody now talk about the Mandela effect. That's what we're supposed to do. And instead of looking into all the other things going on, everybody's getting caught up in this one discussion, which, you know... When the Mandela effect claims to be changing the Bible and things, obviously that would be an important thing to talk about. But, you know, we're missing out on all the same stuff, on all the important stuff. It, not to, I don't know if the. Well, no, I, I do. I, I agree. I, I think, I think you're nailing it, both of you guys. I think you're, you're absolutely correct about this. Um, I, I do want to touch on the Mandela effect, but, but just on the flat earth thing, real quick. Um, I think that for, for the guys that are out there and, and I've, I've got no beef with these guys, you know, matter of fact, these guys are on my friends list. You know, when I talk about the right. Hebrew roots guy that's been doing this for so many years, Hey, you know, no beef with him. I mean, he, you know, he, he yeah, loves the totally. Lord. There's no, no problem with him at all. As a matter of fact, I think he does a lot of great work um, from what I've heard. But you know, if, if somebody wants me to just, you know, make one show about it, well, there's no way that I could put in the amount of research for one show that, that these other guys have put in over the last few years. And if they really right. want to hear uh, evidence for a flat earth or the argument, well, I'm not the guy to hear it from. So, yeah. 
that's kind of that's kind of why I say, hey, look, you know, if somebody writes me, I'll be more than happy to to give you know this guy's name if they want to go look at his work. Um, I don't want to say it on the on the program, but if yeah. somebody you know if you, if anybody if somebody hears this and they want to hear a flat earther, I'll be more than happy to point you in the right direction. Uh, you just won't hear it advertised on the fourth watch, you know, because I, it's not a fourth watch topic. Um, but I, I don't want to divide over the flat earth. Uh, unfortunately, I, I've seen some hatred come from both sides of the spectrum. I've seen some some round earth. The fact that I'm having to use the term round earth people. They're called that, uh, globers. <laughs> globers. No, the <laughs> Illuminati uh, heliocentrism is what I've been called. I mean, I subscribe to the Luciferian model. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even comment on that stuff, man. I don't even comment on Facebook because it's like, it, to me, it's just a waste because it doesn't change anything. Um, right. But, you know, again, people should not divide over it. Um, I, I, th I think the division is getting crazy. Um, now, the Mandela effect. Um, yeah, what do you got, buddy? You know, th this is tough for me because, you know, I don't believe in bashing people. Um, I believe in ah, correcting dude, people. I can totally uh, listen before you dig in as someone who did two debunk videos on the topic. I can completely relate to you, but go on. There, there are some people... God doesn't like bashing people is what he's No, but you know, I get accused of it. I get accused of bashing people. I've been accused of being prideful when I expose some things. You know, sometimes righteous anger is going to come out because you see these things doing so much damage. And yeah, I feel like... Uh, Part of my job in, in, in broadcasting is to do damage control. Right. I feel like I have to smash the lies. Right. And it's not easy. You know, People are like, oh, you, you get your jollies. No, I don't get my jollies from this. I don't like having to talk about certain topics. It, yeah. it bothers me that I even have to. But so um, quick story. Somebody wrote me uh, and, and they listened to The Fourth Watch. Quite possibly they listened to Canary Cry. And they, they were very, very shaken about the Mandela effect. I mean, really shaken about this. Yeah, understand. And they, you know, Justin, you just, you got to go check your Bible. You got, you, you got to go check your King James Bible. Um, it, it, it's, it's changing. It's changing. And I'm like, I'm like picturing like that scene in Hocus Pocus where the black flame candle gets lit. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> picturing more of a, the back to the future when, you know, the, the Polaroid pictures start changing, you know? Marty! Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Hey, why can't it be both? No, no. <laughs> but um, I, um, I, I'm, I'm just like, I don't want to just like jump in and just like criticize this person because right. uh, obviously I want to be sensitive because they're my, they're my brother or sister in Christ. Yeah, and of course. I, um, this was not the first time somebody had brought it to my attention. So they're letting me know that our Bibles are being changed. Well, I know that our Bibles are not being changed and because I have faith in, in Jesus Christ and I know that his word is eternal. It's everlasting. It's, it's not going to change. Uh, the only Bibles that are changing are the new translations that are being changed by man. Yeah, And um, so I went and I, I pulled up my scripture references and I just tried to encourage this person and let them know that the word of God is unchangeable and that it, it's, it's everlasting. And Satan is not powerful enough to change the word of God uh, in every copy, everywhere by using some kind of CERN portal. I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, to me, it sounded so stupid, but I didn't want to criticize this person because look, there's a lot of stupid things out there that deceive people. It doesn't make the person stupid. It makes right. the, the deception thick. Right. And so I, um, what's crazy is like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm letting them go. I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm reading these long paragraphs in the email, right? And uh, it was on Facebook Messenger, which I don't really use very often, but, but they caught me on there and I'm like, oh, somebody caught me on here. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh, I, um, I do believe it was a divine appointment. I believe the, the Holy Spirit led me to be there at that moment so that I could try to minister to this person. But long story short, I let them know that I was not going to be visiting this from a positive 
standpoint ever. If matter of fact, I said if I if I have to talk about this on the fourth watch, it will be exposing it for the for the you know the garbage that it is. But I get on Facebook, which I don't have much time for, and there's a girl on Facebook who uh, she's getting she's pretty popular, you know, like she's she's got a little bit of a following, and people listen right. to her, mm-hmm. right. and she makes these videos and stuff, and she made a, a Mandela effect video. Yeah. Now I, I I've just. Mm, just something just has never set right with me about this person. You know, you ever, you ever get a check in your spirit about a, about a person? Like you just feel oh, like course. they're just, mm-hmm. yeah. you yeah. know, and I'm not saying she's not saved by any means, but I just, I've always had a weird feeling in my spirit about this person. And she makes this video and she's really promoting this, like cracked out promoting it. Like to the point of like, I've been up for several days, like <laughs> drinking green tea. <laughs> and, um, so I didn't watch her video, but what I did notice is like the next day, I think it was like after you had made your video gone where you were correcting all this. Well, she posted, she was like, you know, something along the line. I really want to be careful how I say this because I don't want anybody to know who I'm talking about, but I'm, right, this right. is so real. This, this has to get talked about Yeah. because this is, this is what's going on in the, in, in the so-called Christian truth movement. Yeah. And she comes out and she's like, oh, I apologize. You know, I spoke too soon on the Mandela effect. Um, but still something is going on with this. You know, it's not changing the word of God like everybody's saying, or like I said last night, but something is still going on with this. I'm thinking to myself, okay, you've just lost all ounces of credibility that you, that you might have even ever had if you had any. You just lost every bit of it. And it's like, it's kind of like Stacey Campbell. You all know Stacey Campbell, the, the hyper charismatic woman that like headbangs and hisses when she prophesies? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she got, she got her hand called about falsely prophesying over Todd Bentley, you know, and then Todd Bentley runs around kicking people in the head with his biker boots because the Holy Spirit told him to do it and uh, has an affair on his wife. And then boom, he's out of the ministry. Well, she got her hand called. Hey, you, you, you falsely prophesied over this guy. And she says, well, you know, uh, I'm sorry, but then, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And that's kind of what the same mentality of like, well, it's still, you know, there's still some time for his prophecy to be fulfilled. You know, and, and that was the mentality when I saw this. It was like, I'm sorry that I came out you know, the Mandela effect, I was wrong about it, but still there's something going on here. It's like, I'm going to backpedal, but I'm not going to fully repent. And to me, that's what's going on in the the Christian truth movement. People are making a lot of error. And rather than just raising their hand and saying, I was wrong, I made a mistake. Let me, let me just tell everybody I'm sorry. Instead they say, well, let me just backpedal partially. And uh, that way I don't feel like I'm losing credibility. Right. And that's the problem. And that's where so much error continues to flow from because so many people in the Christian truth movement, they get into these topics, they make these mistakes, they jump on the instant bandwagon without doing their research. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, there are some things, I mean, some quote evidence that, that, that gets, uh, you know, dispersed is, is compelling. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a compelling thing to follow. Even with the Mandela effect, when I was looking into it myself, when it comes to the King James, uh, instead of wineskin, it's bottle and things like that. And I talked to a number of, uh, of pastors and, and people that I know, um, who, you know, who should know, you know, they're kind of old school guys. They're not necessarily King James only type people. And I said, Hey, uh, will you break out the old paper paperback uh, King James for me and check something? They would check and they would see the word bottle in, in their King James version. And they're like, huh, that is interesting. You know, I never really thought about that. I don't, I don't remember it being that way. I, but uh, again, I, I read so many different versions, you know, as a, as a theological, 
you know, person, you have, you're taking a look at all sorts of versions. You can't really just depend on one. Well, here, here's the thing with, with specifically the bottle and wineskin thing without getting into it too deep. If there is this nefarious activity of Satan or some demonic entities, you know, using CERN to change things, why are they changing that? Like that's <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is like, yeah, that that's interesting. Maybe the majority of people who, you know, look into this sort of stuff or who are constantly reading the Bible, which we should all be doing, but specifically pastors and teachers and theologians and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you know, that might be something that you never actually really paid attention to before or you or you read it and just went like, "Oh, and just kept going because you're like, this is the King James. Things are weird here. It's it's been made popular. The the, the wineskin has been made popular. I mean, just think about it. Even exactly. even growing up, I mean, listening to like exactly. Christian punk music, Christian ska and punk. I remember a song about the wineskins. I remember hearing yeah. it. And, uh, okay, so uh, let's just be honest. I'm a King James guy. I prefer the King James with a sure. strong concordance because I don't trust the Alexandrian text. Sure, all the new translations come from the Alexandrian text. I don't want to do a whole show on this, but. Um, the manuscripts have been proven tried and true, in my opinion, um, that the King James manuscripts, not to say that the King James is the only version that you can use, but of all the translations available in English, it comes from the trusted manuscripts. So sure, in my opinion, sure, sure. that's, that's where I'm going to land. I still compare with other translations sometimes, but the beautiful thing about the King James guys, and I'm sure y'all know this is that we have a strong concordance that's been unedited. It's unaltered and it's based on the same manuscripts as the King James. So you can go back to the Greek and the Hebrew, even if you're not a scholar, and you can find out a full understanding of that passage. Right, right. Now, yeah. in the days that King James was written, uh, in, in the days that that translation came about, the word bottle would have been used in that part of the world. Yep. And so doesn't mean that, a, I mean, a bottle of wine skin. That's, I mean, you know, that's it's, what a bottle was. Yeah, it was made out of wine skin. Yeah, that's just what they would have called it. I mean, it's a bottle, it's a wineskin, who cares? That's and, it's I mean, like us being like, well, uh, yeah, well, I brought, you know, there was a, I had this little bottle of wine. You're not like, it's a glass bottle with a paper <laughs> label and some adhesive to put... Bring the, the skins, on. bring the skins. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the word that was used for that in particular thing. So yeah, no, I totally get you. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to... I, it, it, be down or be uh, for the translation wars. I'm not trying to get in the translation wars right now, but yeah, no, totally. I get you. But that I just, hey, I like, that- I like other translations though. I, I want to be just for the record. Um, I, I, man, nothing reads better in my opinion than the English standard version. Oh, like for a modern my, that's English That's my version, favorite in terms yeah, of comprehension yeah. for me. Oh, it reads like a storybook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I, I love Matter of fact, the action Bible, I love the action Bible and it, you know, it's done in the ESV format. Um, it's like a comic, a graphic comic novel, but it's, it's the Bible and it's, it's right. just really cool. But the, the bottom line is, do I like the ESV? Do I like the King James? Yeah. I like them. I think it reads really well, but I'll say this like a good friend of mine once said, he said, the King James will say, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. There are certain places in the ESV where it's basically like, yeah, you might not want to do this. You might not want to do that. Um, So the ESV does go soft in some areas, but it reads beautifully and scholarly, and it's an amazing read. Um, And I'm probably going to catch flack from from my KJV-only friends. But look, if I said I was KJV-only, I'd be lying because I use Greek and Hebrew. I go back to the language. So... Right, ah, and there's yeah, no excuses these days, right? We, we we have the tools in front of us to be able to do that. So yeah, it's you know. not even an elite thing to do anymore to go back to the Hebrew and the Greek. Yeah, and, I and mean, that's, yeah, that that's been the biggest thing with this whole Mandela effect thing is like 
And my message to people was, make sure you do your due diligence before you conclude that CERN is altering your Bibles. There's right. a, and, there's a and big why, leap of logic there. How would Satan's plan to bring your soul into eternal damnation uh, be... Uh, perpetuated by changing wineskin to bottle. Like, I don't think that, that's the problem though. I think the problem, I think the real salvation issue here, and, and guys, I'm, I'm just going to say it. So please just hear me he's out. He's just going to say it, guys. Here we go. Just going to say it. The real salvation issue here with the Mandela effect is that it's the Berenstain Bears. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is my problem is I have to bring some comic relief here because it's so stupid. <laughs> it really is. But no, yeah, isn't it funny that the, the with the and we'll move on here because we have beaten this to death, but I mean, it, it had to be said. All this stuff had to be said. With the Mandela effect, I mean, the fact that the Berenstein Bears or Berenstein Bears is like the number one piece of evidence. Number one. <laughs> that people use, right? That people no, it is. use for the Mandela effect. Like, wh wh what? Like, how is that even... Uh, I just can't do it. Like, uh, it's the, the Zionist why bears. Is the, it's the why, Zionist bears. Why, <laughs> <laughs> why is the... Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I don't even need to get into why that's so silly. You know what's going to happen, too? And, and if you are listening to this and you are feeling this way... And you know, some people are probably pretty p mad at us right now. Well, I, here's the thing, you know, we're not going to be able to touch on every piece of thing. You know, they got the wolf lying down with the and all that stuff. Yep. People will always bring up another argument or another piece of evidence. And it's like, you got to filter it through the same process that you did with the, with the other stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, even the cultural stuff, right? It was Luke. I am your father the whole, the whole time. Well, then why do I remember like several years ago? thinking yeah. and like watching empire strikes back you know as you know later and thinking oh it's not luke you know yeah. i'm your father it's no i'm your father and i'm think i remember I, thinking that like way before the whole mandala yeah. effect thing was even a deal so i remember specifically the moment when i rewatched when i watched star wars again and found and realized that it was not luke i am your father it's no I'm your father. And, and the, I mean, that was in high school. That was a long time ago. So if this Mandela effect thing changed Star Wars, they did it a long time ago. And yeah. then again, why would they change Star Wars? Well, the, other, I, thing, I just, the other thing is only the, only the shills have had their memories altered. So we, we, are, we are part of that, that group that hurt I know, Basil. I know, we're so in trouble. But <laughs> the, spell, the spell came over all of us. I mean, I remember the original Star Wars, um, you know, Chewie was wearing a yarmulke. <laughs> 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 Can I say that? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Let's get out. I'm done with the Mandela effect. <laughs> and just, and yeah. Anyways, and just so everybody knows who's listening, you know, I'm open to everything if the evidence is there. That's, Person yep. Personally, right now, the Mandela effect is the evidence is not there for me right now. I mean, if something crazy comes out, I'm I'm open to it. Same with the flat Earth. I'm open to seeing all evidence. Um, okay. That being said, and you guys agree, if you say Amen. Okay. We got more to say. No, no, no. Same page. No. no, the Mandela effect is changing my opinion right now. I can't. I can't. <laughs> as, oh. as we speak. Um, okay, so let's let's move on a little bit. What's what's been some of the most intense stuff that you've been? Uh, because like like we've said before, Gons and I, we've been out of the game for maybe a month and a half, 
Um, what what's going on on the fourth watch right now? What's the big okay. what's the big story? Okay, so um, some of you who listen to the show that are, that are tuning in right now, you guys know about Remnant Revolution. Uh, I guess it was a couple months ago we launched Remnant Revolution, which is me. I have a co-host, uh, BDK. He's the host of Omega Frequency. And uh, we work together and we also have some core, we have two correspondent co-hosts or what we call correspondent uh, reporters, Kay Carswell and Chad Riley. And they bring in some field report stories that are correlating to kind of the topics we're getting into. And uh, Remnant Revolution has been really cool. And we've been really digging into recently, BDK and I just started a new series and it's, it's going to go, it was last week and we're going to finish it up this coming week. And uh, we're basically talking about the Vatican takeover of the church. Um, this Amen. is such a huge issue and most people just don't have the gall to talk about it because um, they've got Catholic friends who they're trying to convince themselves that their Catholic friends are Christians. And right. you know, it's just like, it's a sticky situation no matter how you slice it up. And I, I think that the, the, the major thing that's happening right now, we're seeing a, uh, a resurgence of um, the Catholic mysticism. Now, uh, we last time, uh, the last episode we did together, we, we talked about the Jesus Calling book and how the Jesus Calling book was actually the resurfacing of Catholic mysticism. And it goes back to an older book called God Calling, which was right. written by these two women. They basically, in a nutshell, they, they don't call themselves by name. They, they, they're called the two listeners. They're Catholic mystics that were channeling. They were doing automatic writing and they wrote their own, if you want to call it a devotional book, I don't know what you want to call it, but it was written in first person as if they were God. Right. They were getting, they were channeling messages from some Elohim apparently. And um, what happened was this Sarah Young lady, she's a superstar right now. And her book, Jesus Calling has been a number one bestseller since I believe 2004 when it first came out. And if you can have access to the original cover of the book, it actually says divinely inspired messages. Yeah. Or inspired from heaven or something. I don't have it in front of me, but I do have a copy of the, I've got pictures of the original cover, but they claim that these were divinely inspired messages from heaven and their treasures from heaven. And she said that she got to start reading the God calling books. She wanted more than the Bible. She said the Bible just basically, she wasn't getting enough. She, the, the, I, she said, I just cried out to God. I said, I need more than your word. Right. Uh, which that right there, uh, that's yeah. scary. Yeah, that's no, putting I, yourself out there. Yeah. And um, she, she said, as she was reading the God calling, she had these thoughts that, she said, I wonder if I could get messages from God just like they did. Well, right there, if she's calling God the entity that they called God, then she's reaching out to a God that is not Yahweh. And she began to seek these messages from God, quote unquote, God, I say God loosely. And she began to get these messages and she said it was Jesus. Jesus was giving her the messages in first person. And there were major contradictions between what she was writing and what scripture had to say. And people mm. complained at one point, they had to come back and do some edits. But of course, Tom, I think it was Thomas Nelson. Um, they were, it, it, it's basically, it's their cash crop. It's like the best selling book since 2004 still is. They've got all these renditions of it, even coloring books for kids, basically. Uh, that's Jesus calling. But the idea is this, the Catholic mysticism is being resurfaced, is being repackaged, and it is totally infiltrating the Christian realm. Yeah. Now, with that said, the Pope has been going way out of his way uh, I'll even take it back uh, about 10 to 11 years ago. There was a, what we'll just call an outpouring of the spiritual gifts in the Catholic church. Um, and when I say the spiritual gifts, I don't mean the real spiritual gifts. I mean the false gifts, the ones where people are uh, what I'll call charismania. And um, 
this started to outpour in the Catholic Church, which allowed the hyper-charismatics to merge with the Catholic Church. They started to join hands over 10 years ago. And then over the last so many years, you've got people like uh, Kenneth Copeland and others that are meeting with the Pope. They're getting blessings by the Pope. Uh, I mean, Billy Graham, Billy Graham was really the torch holder. Um, you know, many people who know Billy Graham, they know that he has taught a false gospel and that he has said, Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven uh, multiple times. I've got the videos of it. I've covered it in my show. But Billy Graham was one of the real big advocates of merging Catholicism with the Protestant church and Kenneth Copeland and others. But right now, one of the most famous contemporary Christian artists is an extremely devout Roman Catholic who has ties to the Vatican directly, is performed for the Pope, and he writes most of the famous, uh, he writes songs for most of the famous um, Protestant singers out there. He writes music for Phillips, Craig, and Dean. He writes music for Chris Tomlin. He, I mean, goodness, the list goes on. And, and who's that? He doesn't want to say. Name those names, boy. Well, uh, well, well let me do this. Let me do this. Just, just. No, no. You name this man <laughs> right now. It hurts, bro, because he's good. He is so talented. And I used to love his music until one day I logged into Facebook and he shared. A, I, I liked his page on Facebook and uh, he had shared a post of the Pope uh, from the Pope's official Facebook. And, you know, Pope's cool like that. You know, he raps, he rhymes, he's got a Facebook, <laughs> he tweets. And uh, I mean, this is the Pope that's really jumping over hurdles to bring everybody together, every religion, every group, every political party. He's really the one that's trying to bring it all together. And this guy, Matt Marr, mm -hmm. is his cheerleader. Mm. Let me let me uh, interject with some some recent things that I find interesting. Now, as we record this, it's the middle of June. Next month in July, there's this big event called reset 2016 and uh have you looked into this justin you're referring to the lecrae and hill song yep together national yep. mall okay so you're spoiling you're spoiling remnant revolution bro i'm just kidding go ahead <laughs> no this is good this is good please okay this is good I, well I'm gonna, i want to confirm some of the things you were saying because you know as we record this again middle of june uh we the the weekend that just was was the orlando massacre and the death of Christina Grim Grimmy and all, the, all this stuff happening in Orlando, but particularly the the alleged massacre right in Orlando with the gay bar right, or gay, gay club or whatever it was. Before I touch on that, let me go back to this together reset 2016 event. Um, you know, together National Mall July 16th. It's a free event um, on the homepage here where they talk about stuff. It says Jesus changes everything. Our generation is the most cause driven in history, but our causes are pulling us apart. Even religion doesn't unite. We believe only Jesus can bring us together. July 16th, 2016 is the day our generation will meet on the national mall to come together around Jesus in unified prayer, worship, and a call for catalytic change. And if you, you know, catalytic catalyst, Talking alchemy a little bit, but anyway, the guy putting this thing together, and by the way, the Pope is speaking at this event, right? The Pope is doing a video message at this event, which is already very strange, right? And Oh, he Skypes too, apparently. <laughs> he's <laughs> Skyping into this, this event because he's so awesome. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the big artists, you got Hillsong and I was really kind of bummed out to see Ravi Zacharias on the, uh, on the lineup. I was Whoa. like, I was like, no, not Ravi. Now here's the thing with Ravi though. He's known to go into sort of, you know, apostate places. He spoke at the yes. Mormon temple and stuff like that. So I'm holding right. faith that I'm like, maybe he can be a voice of reason. Um, but yeah, you got Christine Kane, you have Francis Chan, Crowder, um, Lecrae, Hillsong United, the big headliner. And, um, you know, this is when you talk Hillsong United, you're talking for the most part, sort of the Protestant church. Right. And so for the Pope to be addressing this crowd is very bizarre to begin with. But it gets weirder because the guy who put it together, Nick Hall, Nick Hall is considered to be the modern day uh, Billy Graham. Right. And his organization that that basically is putting this thing on is called Pulse. Now, the tie in with the gay club that was, you know, with the massacre that just occurred. What was the name of the club? Pulse. The United Nations, you know, in 2013 declared 2016 will be the year of pulses, which is, again, interesting. And, you know, they were using it in the, you know, using the word pulses as sort of food, you know, with grains and stuff like that. But nevertheless, right? I mean, they're using the UN doesn't do anything on accident, I don't think. And we're talking about the sustainable development thing that the Pope blessed last September when he was in America. And I mean, it, all the dots seem to be connecting to push towards the unification of all religions and, and institutional religious figures and fronts. And I think ultimately that unification is leading to the Pope potentially announcing some sort of extraterrestrial presence. And I know that's a big leap and there's lots of dots to connect on the way there, but I mean, that's where things are headed. And so the fact that this event, going back to the together 2016, the reset 2016 thing is happening in the sort of Protestant American church. Um, it's here. It's, it's, it's been going on for a long time in terms of the infiltration, but it's here, that whole movement. And here's the deal. I'm not saying that these guys are all like, sitting there, you know, with altars to Satan or anything like that. I think their intentions are really good. But the fact that the Pope is speaking at this event means that either this whole thing is hijacked or they're in cahoots from the beginning at some level. And, um, you know, they, the, these leaders have been blinded in a sense to bring about this unification. And, um, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I know you, <laughs> I probably spoiled some of it, but I probably didn't spoil no, all of it I mean, for you. But. No, not at all. First of all, I, I want to comment on the Pulse thing. Um, I mean, whether or not people died in Orlando, uh, and, and I'm just going to say it, okay, because we don't know. Yeah. Like you said, you said alleged. And uh, I, the first thing that crossed my mind with the Orlando shooting, I'm sure we can talk about it some, but the, um, the idea is that Sandy Hook had everybody just completely in tears. And... I mean, obviously, yeah, it sucks. There, you're going to use it to take our guns. Um, but at the end of the day, kids died, right? And then, you know, I forget how many months passed, and then the FBI put out the official death report that no one died via homicide in that region, in that quarter. So no one died at Sandy Hook. It was a total hoax, total scam. And all I could think about with this whole Pulse nightclub thing was I'm not ready to make a statement as to what I believe really happened it's too soon to say sure but i do think that either i mean look if people actually did die let's just say that that some of these gay guys or yeah i guess guys girls i don't know whatever but let's just say some of the queer community did get killed it's very possible that it was part of a satanic illuminati ritual leading up to the pope's speech because that is not beyond the illuminati uh, I mean, really, uh, we could we could do hours on that. 
Yeah. So I, I think there could be something to that, which means there could possibly have been real bloodshed in well, Orlando. It, and here's the thing. The, the, the idea with the false flag, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't bloodshed, right? It, right. It, it, I think people have come to this assumption that, oh, just because it's false flag, that everything is fake, period. And that's not necessarily the case. And obviously the Illuminati, the, the you know, the occult, the elite, they don't mind the bloodshed because that's part of, you know, the, they believe that they gain power from that or whatever. So they don't mind that in a sense. But, you know, I, I did see some videos of um, alleged, um, uh, you know, broadcasts as soon as it happened of people saying there was, we were trying to get out and this guy stood in front of the door and, you know, it was a guy, someone who survived the, the whole thing. Saying oh, yeah, yeah, the alleged door blocker. The that's door his blocker, name. yeah. Right, and, right. And, the and clipboard his, guy. And, and there's a YouTuber named Enter the Stars. I don't know if you've seen some of his videos, but he pointed out something really bizarre, which I thought was a pretty good find, which was basically um, in the video, I Pet Goat 2, there's a scene, a, a little section of the video that shows this building with the circle and, and sort of a door lit on the side. Man, he put the picture of this Pulse nightclub next to it, and it is identical. And I was like, whoa, that mm. is pretty, I mean, wow. it's hard to refute some of that, you know? Not, you know, you come to your own conclusions about it, but th that evidence is pretty compelling. So there's stuff like that going on, which makes me think like, you know, and here's the deal. Like I've talked about it in the video I published today about ritual magic in Orlando, but the conspiracy here is spiritual ultimately. And whether or not there are intentional actions made by man, ultimately Satan is trying to manipulate things for his timeline, for his arrival in, in the Antichrist. So whether or not you think this is man-made or, or deliberate or staged or whatever, it's all leading to sort of the same direction of this whole new world order, one world religion thing. The, the, the well, but, but okay, you're, you're right though. It, it is, no matter how you slice it up, it's a satanic conspiracy, no matter which direction it comes from. But I, I do want to say that uh, this was not an accident. This, this, has to, this has to be a false flag. Now, it doesn't mean, I'm with you, doesn't mean nobody died. Okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not making that statement yet. Uh, or I may never. But my point is, it has to be a false flag. And let me tell you why I believe it has to be a false flag. And of course, this is the opinion of Justin Fall. This is, I'm not speaking for, for you guys. But in my opinion, the reason it has to be a false flag. Okay, well, first of all, we're dealing with a homosexual nightclub. Right. And death. And Second Amendment yep. and Muslim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like all uh, of the topics the put together, right? I mean, it's, it's the perfect event. Yeah. I mean, th this is not an accident. Th this was totally planned, you know, totally staged. And I have to agree with you on this point because what was Obama's, you look at Obama's term, right? And it's coming to an end or whatever. His biggest sort of stamp of whatever is the whole, you know, gay rights issue and gun control. Those were like some of the, the two big things, right? And he wanted to really lock down the guns, you know, in his last year or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest with, you know, the, the information and the evidence that it's like, yeah, it, it does seem deliberate. You know I, mean? I mean, honestly, it's not rocket science. I mean, you're dealing with homosexuals. You're de I mean, which, and that's been the homosexual issue. I mean, that has been the hot topic. And, and people say, as, you know, like, how, how come you Christians are always talking about, you know, the gays? It's not that we're talking about gays. What it's about is that the culture is forcing this issue and therefore right. it has to get talked about. Yeah, We're not the ones right. bringing it up all the time. And a lot of it, it, it is, it's to the a contrary. Lot of it is just, uh, the, you know, I, I see so much on Facebook and stuff like that about something happens involving gays and Christians, uh, or, or just gays. And then there's a, 
you know, a BuzzFeed article or something similar that's like the 15 most obscene tweets from Christians towards the gays. And then it's just this total, I mean, and they're outrageous. I mean, I don't, I mean, there's got to be some horrible people out there (laughs) as far as Christianity goes. But some of these tweets that they're, you know, showcasing slash, I don't know, reporting, inventing, maybe. (laughs) Anybody Uh, can do that. They're just so over the top. I could go on right now, create a fake Twitter account. I'm just saying, like, sure, there's some Christians who really need to work on their fruit of the spirit, but. Uh, some of this stuff, I mean, it just seems like a setup for the demonization, if you, if you will, of Christianity or religion well, consider, as a whole. Consider the backlash, or we'll just say the the fall off, fallout. Yeah, the fallout. Sorry, it's late. <laughs> fall off. The, yeah, the fall. But but like, just think about you've got the, the Second Amendment issue, which has been an issue because you've got these these people in our country who are working for the globalists and they want to take away our guns because that's the only thing keeping us, you know, the the tiny bit of sovereignty that we still have as a nation is really gripping on to the second amendment. And I think that what's happening here is if we can, uh, when I say we, I'm I'm speaking in, in term of the new world order. They think in their mind, if we can come in and we can attack the homosexual community or, or even stage an event to make it look like they were attacked, well, right then and there, they're going to say, we now have two issues here. We mm-hmm. have hate crimes and firearms. Mm-hmm. And so that's even more because look, uh, Sandy Hook, like let's just say Sandy Hook was real for a second. Let's just pretend that it actually happened. Um, it was not a hate crime. It was not a matter of like, oh, those kids, I hate kids. I, I hate you know, I mean, it, 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 it was a hateful thing, but it was not an official. It would not have been a hate crime based on definition. Right. So what we're dealing with here is not just a not just a, a crime committed with a gun. We're dealing with a hate crime against the LGBTQ PRQS movement. Um, you know, and they add a new letter every day now. Um, but that, that's how ridiculous it is. I mean, honestly, like the gay community makes me sick, and I'm going to tell you why because they feel the majority, at least. I know there, there's some good gay people out there. Um, you know, they're not out partying at these these you know swinger gay clubs or whatever. They want to have a normal relationship. They want to get married, and they want to. Obviously, they can't have kids. Um, but you know, they want the normal. Oh, white that's changing fence. too, by the way. Transhumanism and all the genetic stuff going on. But oh. I digress. Go on. But no. But the point is, I mean, I, I just I want to be fair from a humanist perspective, even though I'm not a humanist. Sure. Um, but there are some homosexuals out there that they just they want the the normal life. They want to get married. They of don't course. want to have promiscuous yeah. relationships. Yeah. Um, but I mean, unfortunately, they'll never have a normal life because homosexuality is not normal. But in the world terms, they they're not they're not out there flamboyantly marching around wearing a thong at a parade. Right. 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 Uh, I mean, you know, they're not rubbing it in everyone's face. Yeah. So I want to be careful and I want to be sensitive in how I say this, but the majority of the homosexual community, they feel like the world owes them something. Mm. They feel like everybody owes them an award. They deserve a gold medal for being gay. And we all need to just go around and, and just pat them on the back and give them anything that they want because they're gay and it also gives them a license to speak their mind to anyone, anywhere, and they can be as hateful as they want to be, but as a second somebody disagrees with their their homosexual lifestyle, they just go off the rocker. Right. right. So a double really standard, we, yeah. Exactly. It's a double standard. And so it's like you never know when a homosexual is going to explode. The ones that I've come into contact with, it's just like they're waiting. 
They're just waiting on somebody to question their lifestyle or anything. And then boom. Yeah. And, and we've talked about that a little bit. We had a gay episode. We discussed those issues and th those are real things that, you know, th that they deal with. And, you know, touching it back to the whole gun control thing in California where I'm at here, um, they just had the ruling that the concealed weapons, um, you know, saying that uh, the Second Amendment doesn't protect or, you know, the, let's let me just read the quote for you. According to the L.A. Times, the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decided in a seven to four ruling that California counties may restrict permits for carrying concealed firearms in public. That decision overturned a 2014 ruling that prompted some California counties to relax their rules. Um, and, you know, basically the the idea here is that, you know, the Second Amendment doesn't or they're saying voting on it, saying that the Second Amendment doesn't say you can have firearms, you know, the common citizen. But then you read the Second Amendment and it's like, I don't know how you could not say that. I, I just don't get it. But right. in the issue here, not just taking away the guns, because ultimately, I don't know if they can take away all our guns. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just not something plausible. I think it's leading, and, and Justin, let me get your opinion on this. I think it's leading to something bigger and of course, you know, de-weaponizing or, 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 you know, taking away our firearms is one thing, but I, I honestly believe that there is a nuke somewhere by someone, probably the, the boogeyman, which is the Islamic state, ISIS, whatever you want to call it, that they might use a nuke to really instigate, you know, the, the chaos and then they can really push the unification of all kinds of things to destroy the common enemy, which is this terrorist organization or whatever. Well, what are your right. thoughts on that? I mean, you know, it, from gun control to, you know, m weapons of mass destruction, if you want to label that. Well, I think, um, I think that it would be localized uh, in the event that there was going to be some kind of a nuke that goes off. I do think it would be localized and I think it would be in an area where they could all like the surrounding areas they might get a little taste of it but they'll e they'll kind of recover easily but what'll happen is if something like that were to happen america will never recover as a nation because at that point it will be a globalist run nation which it already is a globalist nation yeah um but i think in the event that something like that would happen um i think the instant turnaround would be the martial law would be declared by the un yep. uh, it it would somehow be tied into a quote unquote world issue interpol UN mm -hmm. and at that point we've already got UN soldiers all on our ground. Yeah, and the strong, uh, fact, strong cities network. That that whole thing is set up so that you know the UN troops can the Interpol and all these guys can really just come in and set up. That and cities already signed up for it. Yeah, and, and just like if, if you're driving around your state, you're gonna see state parks and depending on the state libraries uh, that have brown signs. You know how uh, the state signs are color coded? Right. Right. So like the, 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 I think it's the national parks that are federally owned. They've got brown signs. Um, my Pentagon insider told me that all the brown signs are United Nations collateral. And he said they are literally just waiting on what's called international martial law, which the UN takes part in. They come in, they, they've already got everything in order. They just have to set up shop and boom. And uh, park rangers, because of this, uh, because of this being collateral, park rangers have open jurisdiction in all states. So say you're driving down the street and you see a park ranger uh, SUV driving around, uh, green and white or whatever color in your state, say the license plates say Georgia, but you're in California. You're like, what's this Georgia guy doing out here? Well, he, you know, he doesn't pose a threat. Well, actually he does. He is, he has open jurisdiction and he can arrest anyone for anything anywhere. That's where wow. it is right now. Wow. So the park rangers, they're really, they're monsters in disguise.
Yeah, unless not and, just the guys walking around the campground at ten saying it's quiet time and put out your fires. Yeah, I mean maybe some places, you know, there might be some small towns where there's a good guy still there, you know, uh, chasing Yogi Bear. But uh, for the most part, <laughs> no, it's it's it's, it's sinister. Um, now the firearm thing, I think, and I hate to say something like this because I'm not a fear monger, but I, I really believe with all my heart that if it did come down, like let's just say that they they there's another gay club that gets bombed. For, for crying out loud, something, you know, uh, or, or a, a small militia runs into a gay club and shoots the whole club up. And this happens in like five states, like on the same day or, or whatever the scenario might be. If something like that were to happen, they could instantly try to pull this national gun grab. You and, do know that if that happens, they're going to come after you for saying it here on the show, right? <laughs> it, it actually kind of crossed my mind while I was saying it. I was like, maybe I shouldn't say this. Um, <laughs> But no, let's just say something like that happened, God forbid, and uh, they they try to, you know, start up this national gun grab. Well, I believe that there would be civil war. Yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, we've got a lot of good men and women who have served in the armed forces, uh, good men and women who are state troopers, police officers. Uh, obviously, I don't like all of them, but I think there's, I know for a fact, there's a lot of good officers here in Georgia and in Florida um, solid men and women who they really do believe in the rights of the people because they're people when they leave their job and they've got families. And I know for a fact that if something like that were to go down and, you know, they initiated that type of a national gun grab, there would be civil war, yeah, at least in many of the states. Especially those who, you know, understand the Constitution, you know, they would, it would be right in their face that it's, it's being completely, I mean, it has been demolished for a long time now, but you know, a, a physical act of, of something of that magnitude would really, oh man, I don't like thinking about it, but, um, stop fear-mongering us, Justin. Yeah, I wanna, <laughs> I, okay. Let, let me, let me move back. I want to make one, one other statement on, uh, on the Pulse nightclub real quick. You guys probably won't agree with me and that's cool. Um, and I'm sure I'm probably gonna upset somebody when I say this and, and I mean, no disrespect to anybody, but I just, I, I want to make a point. You know, one thing I saw when all, you know, I logged into Facebook Sunday after church and people, brothers and sisters in Christ, or at least professing Christians, they were talking about how horrible they felt for the, for the you know, all these gay people that got killed. They were good, good Americans. Well, first of all, you don't know what they were. Nobody knows who these people were. Let's just say that 50 people really did get killed. I just want to make a point. The homosexual community that goes to gay bars at two in the morning, they're not out just to have a cocktail and to blow off steam. They're what, they're what people would call lot lizards. They're going to these clubs so that they can be extremely promiscuous. Oftentimes, they'll do things in the club with other men, people they just met. They're spreading disease, and they're bringing wickedness anywhere they go. This It's a mentality. It's a homosexual nightclub mentality. Generally, uh, a lot of the gay community that goes to these clubs, they're very promiscuous, and they just fool around, and they fool around, and they just fool around with whoever will come into their play. And the problem with that is it's not only damaging to the moral fabric, um, it's damaging to the health of, of cities. Think about, I mean, somebody goes into the club, he's bisexual or he's curious and he fools around with some guy he just met. He gets AIDS. He goes and sleeps with a couple of girls. Boom, they get AIDS. I'm just making a point. And, and I'm not trying to be hateful when I say this, but the types of homosexuals that go to these clubs at two in the morning to do the Lord knows what they're doing. That's not exactly an upstanding good citizen, in my opinion. There's 50 people that are now residents of hell, mm. and that hurts. Mm -hmm. That's what hurts. 
It hurts that they didn't get to, to nobody got to tell them the gospel or, or try to minister to them, at least, uh, you know, from a, a bystander's perspective. Right. You know, I don't know their personal stories, but to me, that's, that's, that's the downside of this. The downside yeah. of this isn't that they lost their life. The downside of this is that they're in hell right now because they died in homosexual perversion. And that's not me judging. That's me knowing what the word of God says. And my heart hurts that there's 50 people in hell right now. If they, if this really did happen. Right. Well, now right. Uh, where do you draw the line? Because, you know, Westboro Baptist church, you know, the outspoken you know, group came out and said, ah, yes, God judged these gay people. Are you in line with, with that sort of thinking or are you more so like it's, it's a tragic event in terms of, like you just said, and just everything you summarized there. Well, uh, first of all, I, I'll say that the idea of anyone dying does not make me happy. It never has. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about love your enemies, pray right. for those who persecute you. Yeah. So it does not make me happy. Okay. But I want to make a point. If you go back and you study the old Testament constantly, what happened with Israel, the real Israel, they would be in God's honor and his graces and they would be doing good and being blessed. And then they would start to get into horrible sin and debauchery and worship false gods. And what did, uh, what did God do? Well, he would bring this ruler in to, right. you know, to, to slaughter some of them and to put them in captivity. Um, and on the surface, what do you think the people would say? They would say, Oh wow, that, that, that's a tragedy. You know, Oh, that is, that's just a tragedy. You know, uh, such and such a ruler, uh, Nimrod or, or, you know, uh, not Nimrod, but uh, Nebuchadnezzar just came in here, uh, Cyrus or whoever. What a tragedy. But with spiritual eyes being thousands of years down the road, we can look in the scripture and see that God had his hand in that. He allowed it to happen to bring about chastisement. So I think it's a, it's one of those situations. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to get out here and be like, that's that was God's judgment. You know, the fact is, I don't know, right. but I do know that what sometimes seems like normal happenings, you know, somebody got dealt a bad hand of cards in this life. Sometimes it is God's judgment. Mm. I don't know, but I, I but right. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump on the Westboro bandwagon because I don't, I don't agree with those guys. And I think they're, they do handle themselves very hatefully. Um, I would never affiliate with them by any means. Um, I don't, but, I haven't well, met a well, single person who really has. That's been yeah, my issue. It's, it's, it's like, a pretty, it's pretty easy, uh, group to not affiliate yourself with. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the, what we're dealing with here, and this is going to be a theological question for everybody listening as well as ourselves, which is, you know, that, that view, that old Testament view, that old covenant view. I mean, that, that would happen all the time. I mean, I just recently gave a sermon on, on, uh, for the Shabbat service where, um, even when Moses was coming down with the 10 commandments, there was the, uh, you know, the Israelites had built the golden calf and they were getting drunk and they were getting rowdy. And there were some very severe consequences for that. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, the, the argument at that point, and this is, this is, would be an, a theological discussion at this point would be where are we at? What is the response after the new covenant? What is the response, um, uh, sort of in our in in the new deal that we're in, and yeah, of course, uh, nobody likes it when people die. Nobody likes it when heinous crimes are, even at the very least, heinous crimes according to the government. This was a crime, um, but as far as 
you know, how do Christians respond? You know, I saw some very lovely comments on Facebook from um, some people that we've, you know, uh, affiliated ourselves with, which is, you know, this is horrible. This is obviously death. If if death actually took place during this uh, occurrence, it, whether it's a false flag or a staged event, um, that would be horrible. But yeah, I mean, there you, you can't deny that um, judgment like this has taken place as far as the Old Testament is concerned. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a theological question for everybody uh, that they're going to have to answer to. Um, so I say that to say I totally understand that, um, that viewpoint. And I think there's a lot of people struggling with that question right now. I think there's a lot of listeners struggling right now with that same question. So I, I think it's interesting that, it, you know, the conversation got to this place. But like you said, Justin, obviously nobody wants death to happen, especially in a situation like that. Uh, but, you know. You know, it's a really good sort of platform to argue for the existence of God. And then it can, you know, tie it into Jesus is this idea that we all agree that death is wrong. You know, that, that there is something wrong with death. And, and that's a biblical thing, you know, that, that death came through sin. So. I mean, I don't know, maybe, you know, it's a good way to start conversation about this stuff. And yeah, it's hard to wade through. Um, but ultimately it's ironic or maybe not ironic, interesting to me that the, the moral sort of backdrop of, of most people, regardless of some of their worldview is in some ways, the way they live it out anyway, in terms of death um, and justice and things like that, it, it sort of does reflect on this moral lawgiver that there is this uh, right. differentiation between good and evil. And, and, right. you know, because that's there, you know, you start, you can start asking the question, why is that there? And, you know, you can have those conversations with maybe friends, family who aren't really, you know, in the faith or whatever, and it can, it can lead to good discussion. So, I mean, you know, I, I understand these are all touchy subjects and I, I think, you know, we live in a time now where things are so PC, like they, you have to really be like, careful with what you say and everything is an outrage, right? If you say anything, it becomes this, this, this cry for, for justice and, and all this stuff. And, and it just seems like opinions are, are being forced in some way. And, you know, you can't be sort of a, a loose kind of, I'm not going to use the word agnostic, but more open to different possibilities. You have to have an opinion about something. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think all that also is part of sort of the, the psychological operation in, in a deliberate manner and a spiritual manner that we've come to this time in society where those things are happening. I think social media has changed our psychology, you know, and how we interact with each other and how we express ideas and, and you know, hiding behind the computer and all this stuff. It's changed socially. It's social media. Uh, it's changed our social behavior, our thinking, and ultimately, you know, I think the thing that we have to be careful with is that, uh, you know, are we feeding into what the enemy really wants and, and conforming our thoughts to some of these movements? And, um, you know, I find it all very interesting, uh, especially, you know, with the popularity of someone like Bernie Sanders, you know, and, and a lot of young people that I've talked to and that I've seen and stuff like that, they really feel, and these are like truthers too, they really feel that, you know, especially in America, it's like, oh, capitalism has failed and the democracy has failed and we need a new system, 
you know, to replace it. And, and that thinking in itself is, it, it kind of perpetuates the, the fallen nature. You know, it doesn't, it's not going to solve a new political system is not going to solve our problems. You know, it's a hard issue. Right. And it goes back to that biblical principle. So I find it fascinating that no matter what it reflects on the truths that are spoken in the Bible. Right. You can't legislate people into heaven. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I mean, when you, when you're dealing with a scenario, um, I mean, as, as a Bible believing Christian and, and as somebody who, who studies the scripture from, from the beginning to the end, I think it's important to recognize that this homosexual agenda um, is set up to destroy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not set up for gay rights. It, right. It's set up to destroy the, the fabric and the family unit. Sure. And, you know, and that's kind of been my thing from the beginning. And yeah. if, if, and that was pointed out in, in text from, uh, for lack of a better term, Illuminati writers for a while now. That is it has. Explicit. And you can and, even take a humanist perspective or a naturalist perspective and make that argument. It doesn't have to right. be a new world order thing. You right. Know? Just in yeah, terms it, of it how you away. reproduce. Yeah. It chips away at, at the, I mean, it chips away at the natural order, I should say. But I, I want to make this statement about this. And again, you know, if somebody got upset with me for what I said earlier, I wasn't saying I was happy. Uh, I, I was saying that, you know, I mean, I don't like wickedness abounding. Right. Sure. I don't like it. But at the same time, I'm not, I'm not the one who takes vengeance on people. See, the Lord is the one who exercises vengeance and judgment. Now, as Christians, we have righteous judgment. Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. The scripture is very clear that what we're doing is we are looking at things and we're comparing them to scripture. And we know that we need to flee from those things because they will bring about death. I mean, all sin leads on to death. The Bible says that all sin leads on to death. But it's really interesting because you see this thing about there is a sin or there is sin, depending on your translation, that leads unto death. And I mean, the sin, the underpinned sinner, whether he is involved in adultery, whether he's involved in homosexuality or uh, reviling, um, drunkenness, uh, you know, I mean, just kind of to answer your question earlier, Basil, uh, Basil, sorry, I'm, it's late. <laughs> <laughs> you meant to do that. No, no but to kind of go into the, theolo- the theological question you asked earlier about, well, here we are now in the times of the new covenant. And even in the new covenant, obviously, um, the new covenant still lines out things that are unacceptable unto God and certain things that will keep a man or a woman from entering into the kingdom or, in, or inheriting the kingdom. And I think that's, uh, that's one of those issues that we have to face. But at the same time, it's not just the homosexuals. It's just those other sins that are listed too right there. Matter of fact, the Bible even says that liars will have their place in the lake of fire. But I want to make a point about this, this, uh, this homosexual alleged shooting and this might not sound very nice, but, but I think it's really important to say this. While everybody's running around, you know, feeling sorry for these people. And I say these people because it was a group. I'm not meaning like these, you know. Um, what do you mean these people? Yeah, what do you mean you people? <laughs> no, um, I, I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is not, oh, wow, what a tragedy. The first thing in my mind is my logic. My logic kicks in. And I think... If you weren't out at two in the morning getting drunk and chasing around scallywags in a homosexual nightclub, you would not be in this predicament. You put yourself there. And I'm not saying you deserved it. The fact is we all deserve it. The Bible says we all deserve death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we all deserve death. But I'm just making a point. You put yourself out there in these places. And it kind of goes back to the whole uh, rape culture. Everybody, you know, this whole feminist movement about rape culture, rape culture. Well, it's not the rape culture that's a problem. You know, it's the problem that, you know, 
people are going to these crazy parties. Women are half dressed. They're they're all getting drunk, and you know it's fifty fifty. It's their fault and it's the rapist's fault, in my opinion, because they're all out there getting drunk, partying with their clothes half off. I mean, we live in a culture where that is the norm. Right. That is the status quo of our culture. And so while everyone's screaming rape culture, rape culture, I'm screaming no, drug, alcohol, sex culture. And this, you know, these women are just as guilty as the men. It goes both ways. And it's a horrible situation. And the man should be punished because obviously if he raped the woman, yes, he should be punished and the book should be thrown at him. But at the same time, that woman put herself in that situation. She was out there debauching herself, if that's even a word. But, you know, they're out there just doing drugs, drinking, with, with their cleavage hanging out. You know, you fill in the blanks. It, it, it's not a good situation. They put themselves in that situation. And I, I look at it the same way with the homosexual nightclub. If it really happened, these guys put themselves out there. They were in a sinful place at a sinful time doing sinful things. And they got the short end of the stick. And uh, so that's my logic. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're gay. I mean, I could say the same thing if it was a, a heterosexual nightclub where people were out getting drunk at two in the morning looking to pick up the next, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And they're out there in a wicked place doing wicked things and here comes a shooter. Well, you know what? They put themselves there. It has nothing to do with the fact that these guys are gay. It has everything to do with the fact that it's a debauchery lifestyle. People are out there more concerned with themselves than they are for the well-being of themselves. They're more concerned with their pleasure than they are for their well-being. Right. So, yeah, and, and that's that's an understandable uh, uh, way to look at it. And I think a lot of people are looking at it the same way. And you know, it's hard to come up with a another example. I mean, it, you could say Sandy Hook, and obviously, there's a lot of debate around that as well. But uh, and same with Columbine. But let's say, for instance, Columbine. Um, you know, uh, s s what would you say to somebody who would come back at you and say, well, these kids were just going to school. Why did they put, how was that them putting themselves into that situation? Well, I think that uh, in any situation of tragedy, and I, I don't mean this to sound as a cop out, but any situation where there's tragedy, it's situation pending. You know, the, these variables are relative to the situation. And I would never say that about Columbine by any means because, yeah, they had to be there. They, they had to be in school. But right. in a situation like this, I think it is applicable. And I think that we can kind of look at the surrounding scenario. And that it's just, in my opinion, it's not about being a gay club or a straight club. It's in, in, the, in, in the power, in the elite's view, it is because that's going to give them more ammunition uh, because it's a hate crime and it's a gun crime. So, yeah, and that from that aspect, it, it had to be a gay club. But in the, you know, just the normal, from a Christian perspective, people are going out, putting themselves in very bad situations. And I mean, are we just supposed to coddle people? I, I don't know. I mean, right. I, I don't know. I, I think people I suppose, want to be coddled. That's right. kind I of the, the, the culture want to now. Be coddled. I would say, uh, but you got to keep in mind as well. And again, it's hard when it's a... Uh, highly potential false flag situation yeah, because I mean, we might not even be we might be sitting here talking about something that never even happened and, <laughs> and, and it's sad that we even have to throw that out there right right oh, oh absolutely no totally um but you know there's going to be a group of people a group of listeners who you know you know they'll listen to our conversation about the victims and talking about what the victims were doing or who the victims were and 
they might be thinking, well, why are you talking so much about the victims? What about the shooter? And in this case, obviously, the shooter, another perfect tool for propaganda and New World Order false flagism, um, you know, a, a Muslim guy who it was so easy for him to get guns and he had been investigated, and this is just what I've seen on Facebook, uh, just not even going into the more deeper stuff that I've looked into. It's just, you know, he's a Muslim guy who, you know, it was so easy for him to get guns and let's take away the guns and nobody's saying, well, hey, you know, I feel there's a part of Christianity uh, or I won't even say that. I'll say a part of the Christian uh, response that is more focused on the gay victims than they are on the, you know, Muslim or Islamic terrorist or criminal or whatever. Again, this is maybe a false flag, but just in the case of just for this conversation, more focused on that than they are with the actual perpetrator of the crime. And what I started to notice was that the response was much more about the victims and, you know, God's judgment on the victims than it was uh, about condemning Islam or condemning the Muslim faith for, uh, you know, the, the, the propensity for violence. And what I saw that was interesting was now there was a Christian, a Christian community. I'm not saying the Christian community. There is a Christian community that was, had now placed homosexuality um, as a greater threat than this violent Islamic movement. Now, what do you do? You have a response to that? I mean, I, in my opinion, I see this particular Christian uh, subcategory um, now having to categorize uh, homosexuality as. A greater threat or, uh, you know, I don't even, yeah, I'll just say that a greater threat than the actual violent Islamic um, person who perpetrated the crime. Again, all in the mind that this could be a complete false flag. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. With that disclaimer on there, um, I have to say, I think it's equal. I think it's equal. And this may really feathers, uh, ruffle some feathers, but think about it like this. Okay. Um, every major culture that has been homosexually driven has judgment has been brought to it and it has crumbled. I mean, you go back to the Romans. I mean, we're talking about like, I mean, massive homosexual orgies, raping little boys. Um, I mean, literally the Roman culture, Caligula, Nero. I mean, goodness, you just go back in history and you're dealing with homosexual pedophile culture. Now, not all homosexuals are pedophiles for sure. No way that anyone could say that. But the point is, the two, the two big things that will be judged and will ruin a nation or a, you know, a, a dynasty or a kingdom, whatever you want to call it, is false religion and wickedness. And I, you know, what's worse, being, being worse being a false god or being a homosexual? Well, I think they're the same because the Bible says if you're not for Christ, you're against him. And there's no middle ground. There, there's no almost saved. Right, and so I, I really, I think to be fair, um, what who's worse? Uh, who who's committing the worst crime here? Was it the, was it the the Muslim or was it the homosexuals? Well, I think they're all just as as guilty and just as evil in God's eyes. Right, and I think that's being biblically accurate and fair. That's not me being judgmental. 
but I'm not going to have some sob, sobbing party uh, for the homosexual community right now because I don't agree with what they're doing. And I don't right. agree. And, and the Muslim, you know, what happened to him? Well, he got stopped with guns. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, no one, no one's crying for him. Right. You know, well, well, of course we're not crying for him because he went in there and shot him up. Well, but you know what? At the end of the day, they were both just as guilty in God's eyes. They were both doing things that God hates. Right. Murder and homosexuality, God Not hates it all. From many perspective. And I want to say this, you know, for somebody to say it was God's judgment, nobody knows. I've already said it. You know, yeah. we don't know. It could have been God's judgment if it really happened. Yeah. And and if, if somebody gets offended by that, well, then they should just stop reading their Bible right now. Yeah. And okay. let me let me add and then we can move on to some other topics, but I'm big on this this concept of the spiritual conspiracy, right? Because, you know, obviously we're all familiar with Ephesians six twelve that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So understandably, the way I kind of see it too is, and, and to Basil's point about this, that, you know, there is a level of, you know, these people, they made their individual choices to be in those circumstances. Yes, they have their own free will. They made their decision to be there, to, to be in those circumstances, to be in that situation. But you can't completely dismiss this, the, the possibility or probably the reality that there are some heavy demonic influences that you know, either influence their family or, you know, early in their lives or, you know, opening up gateways for demonic attachment so that they make their decisions in a certain way or certain, you know, so I think there's that aspect of it as well. That's pretty consistent with a biblical perspective is that yes, they are responsible for their own actions, but also they are victims of the satanic conspiracy in terms of falling for this right. culture and this, in this, you know, environment that, that right. opened them, opened them up to making those decisions. So yeah. well, we are too, oh, yeah. all three yeah. of us, we are all victims of the satanic conspiracy, sure. every human that's ever born into sin. But, but I think it's also important to address something here. And, and this is, I don't want to go too deep into this. I know we got other things to talk about, but just consider for a fact, what is sodomy? I mean, really, let's just, let's just be real honest and brutal for one second. And, and I'm sorry if there's kids listening, but th- this is, this is the truth. Sodomy is not just some pleasurable act. Okay. Matter of fact, it sounds disgusting to me and the thought of it makes me want to puke. It doesn't matter if it's heterosexual or homosexual sodomy. It's all disgusting. And a matter of fact, God hates sodomy in general. It doesn't matter. I mean, literally, there's no justification for it um, either or uh, from my studies of the scripture. But if you go back to homosexual sodomy in history, you're going to find out that it wasn't something... um, I mean, yeah, obviously, demons have always used... uh, They've always surrounded that act but it goes deeper than that sodomy between a male and a male goes back to what's called ritual sex magic right and you can you go into some of the old texts you're going to find out that that was a major practice in the black magic temples the, the pagan temples they would commit the act of sodomy because it would channel a fallen angel right yeah yeah and then that's you know tying this back to the whole uh, Vatican uh, aspect of it, and you know the the criticism from the secular world is, oh, they have all these people who are, you know, uh, doing their thing with little children and stuff like that. Well, it's again, it goes back to ritual magic. You're right, and that's it, it is disturbing. But I've, you know, I've seen the lectures, I've read some stuff on on this topic and what they believe, and um, you know, the transfer of energy, and and it's it's disgusting. You're right, it it's deplorable, but it's just part of what becomes of the the fallen world but also you know it goes back to i think some of the things that were taught by fallen angels and maybe not that specific thing was shown but maybe it was maybe that was something that you know 
um, you know, I don't think there's anything, uh, to my knowledge anyway, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but according to the book of Enoch and some extra biblical texts, I know they taught mankind some very interesting things, you know, about civilization, but also about, you know, chemicals and, and various things, uh, putting on makeup for women that we've talked about before. Um, maybe that was and part tattoos, of... tattoos, dog. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. But, you know it, again, it's a messy issue, no pun intended. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, but, it, it, but it's, it's the things that, you know, we, we always want to put things in, in a box or a black and white thing. And it's never like that. You know, it's always a little bit more complicated than it seems. And also in terms of, you know, trying to align with the scriptures and align it with the biblical mandate and what God wants to see, it's, it's, again, it's pretty straightforward. I don't think there's any wiggle room in terms of what God sees as acceptable behavior and what, what God sees as not that phrase, you know, that people have used a lot, you know, uh, hate the sin, not the sinner kind of thing. Uh, I think it applies, but it's, it's, you know, well, it's, it's a minefield though. You know, it's not, it's not I, so simple as that, you know, you know, I, I feel like I need to address this because, you know, that's, that's like the popular phrase, you know, everybody wants to quote Jesus, hate the sin, but not the sinner. Well, actually that wasn't Jesus. That was Gandhi. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attacking you for saying it because I, I understand the, the, the logic behind that. But in reality, you know, that's a problem is we live in a, we live in a politically correct Christian a society. Uh, I mean, amongst Christians, our society of Christians, not the society of America, but um, you know, everybody wants to, to, they want to quote Gandhi. They want to get into this whole, you know, th this whole like soft on sin. And, you know, I understand, I understand the mentality there because yeah, I mean, we do hate sin. Uh, I mean, it's, it's actually commendable to hate sin, to hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Right. Uh, it's commendable uh, in God's eyes. But at the same time, you know, we get into a situation of, of reprobation, you know, at what point is someone uh, such a reprobate and they hate God so much and they're, they're possessed by demons uh, because of the things that they're doing. They're possessed. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it's a tough situation. But as a Christian who hates wickedness, I mean, you know, I, I Stephen Anderson made a video about this, uh, you know, and, and he basically made, he, he goes back to Leviticus that, you know, homosexuals, uh, you know, they should be put to death. And the whole idea of that is, and, and, and people misquote him on it, you know, and I'm not taking his side, so don't, you know, nobody come at me with that. But um, the, the whole thing that Stephen Anderson, if people actually let him finish saying what he was saying, was that in a righteous government society where the government honored the law of God, they would catch a homosexual in the act, they would try them for their crime, and then they would execute them within the, the, the boundaries of law. Now, my argument against that is that if you're going to pick that one part of the, the Levitical law, well, then you have to go for all go other for everything. Yeah, yeah right. you got to go ahead and pull them That's all. It's the like whole okay, problem well, with the Hebrew roots thing in general. Exactly, in opinion, and it's yeah. like you know, if somebody like, like for these people that want to pull the law when they want to pull it, they they end up cherry picking because if their wife is on her menstrual cycle, well, she can't go to church. Right. You know, if a husband and wife make love on a Saturday, well, they're both unclean, can't go to church on Sunday. Um, I mean, I, you just, where do you stop? You know, where, you, you want to cherry pick this, you want to cherry pick that. Well, my Bible says in Acts chapter 15 that when the Jews were, were Judaizing and they were trying to bring the Gentiles under the law, yeah, you can accept Jesus, but you got to go under the law. Well, what happened? The disciples, they, had a, they held a council, they all met together and they said, you know, this is not good what you're doing. You're trying to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples. Right. 
right there in Acts 15, they refer to when you try to push somebody, push somebody back under the law, you're actually putting a yoke upon their neck. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like, man. So, I mean, I, I, I disagreed with Steven Anderson on that for sure. Right. But I was just making the point that a lot of people take that mentality of they all need to be put to death. Well, that's, that's not our job to do. And matter of fact, that's Levitical law. And praise God that we have grace right now yeah. and we have mercy. And it is, it is not God's will that any man perish. Not the homosexual, not the murderer, not the false pope. Well, I mean, you know, God doesn't want anyone to perish. So I look at this, but again, at the end of the day, no matter how you want to look at it, the shooter and the homosexuals, they were all just as guilty in God's eyes. Neither one of them right. committed less of a sin. Right. Right. Well, let me, well let me, I think just real quick, just okay. real quick. I think that's a, I, I think that's a great uh, add on that you added there just for anybody out there who was getting a little worried about some, some smiting about to come their way for lobster eating or something like that. And uh, so, yeah, there you go. All right. What you got guns? Well, I was just going to say in terms of, the phrase, you know, love the sinner, not the sin, the, uh, the quote attributing to Gandhi and people living by that. I'm not saying live by it, but it's, it's one of those issues where I think it goes back to your individual calling, I think, and your individual evangelism. You know, if you're, if you're dealing with maybe a family member who is, you know, in sin and you really want that, want to see that family member saved, regardless of what the sin is, maybe it's homosexuality, maybe it's not, but you know, there's an element of like, maybe that's your ministry, you know, and, and you're right. It's up to the individual at a certain point. Maybe it's just like, dude, bro, I'm sorry. I just can't, I can't call you family. You got to cut the ties for a certain time or whatever. Um, but I think we try to, uh, as someone who studied sociology in college, I kind of get this. I always look at things from a sociological perspective and I always analyze from like a little bit further back. I try to step back and look at a bigger picture. Um, but uh, in doing that, I've noticed that there is obviously there is no like perfect perspective from even afar. And, you know, there, there's always attempts to label or to categorize things and put names on it and place your opinion on the bigger picture of what a solution for all. Right. And and that comes only through Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's clear. But in terms of your own walk, I think it goes back to your own individual ministry. It's like, okay we shouldn't be affiliated or associate with the, with that gay person. But at the same time, if that's your ministry, if that's because Jesus did go to the prostitute, you know what I mean? So th- there's other aspects of that individual relationship part of it that I think each person has to wade through on their own and come to their own sort of uh, understanding of what God is telling them or what God is calling them to do to bring people into the kingdom. So you know, just, no, I agree. I, I would agree with that for sure. I mean, matter of fact, I think that everyone is called to share the gospel. And what happens is that the Lord, when you, when we submit to Christ, uh, that God is going to preordain certain good works for us to walk in. Right. The, the, the new Testament's clear on this. He has preordained specific works for us to walk in. And I think that if we have such a closed mind that, Oh God would never save that person. Well, we're never, we're never going to be able to witness to that person if that's our mindset. So I'm with you on that. Um, but on the same token, you know, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not coming down on either one of you guys when I say this, but many people, the argument in the culture is, well, I mean, let's just look at the Christian culture for one second. Our, our quote unquote Christian culture is, uh, people going out and getting just crap faced on Friday and Saturday, uh, dancing on the bar and then Sunday morning they're in church singing hymns. And that, that's the, that, that's, that's the Christian culture. 
And the, the problem is that when you try to talk to one of those people, they always go back and say, well, Jesus hung out with the prostitutes. Jesus hung out with the sinners. And you know, my response, right. my response is pretty simple. Well, yeah, he did. And unfortunately, you don't understand who you are in that story. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And I can't take full credit for that, but uh, that's the truth. And, yeah. and that's the problem because we are the sinners. We are the prostitutes. We are those who Jesus hung out with. Right. And I, I think that, and, and I know you weren't taking that stance when you said that, but I just want to throw that in there because a lot of people that use that, Right, they abuse, the they abuse that 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 thinking to to allow themselves to remain in whatever. That's really good, though. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just I I'm, I'm I want to be sensitive to them, but really the people that are doing the most damage are the people professing Christ and then going out and living like hell, and they're teaching the their. I mean, really, what's the unbeliever who they're partying with going to think? Well, why do I need Jesus? Yeah, you know, it, why, why? I mean, look at you. You're doing what I'm doing. We're all in the same boat here. You know, I mean, we're uh, we're both dropping hits of X, and we're both you know. Uh, you know, taking jello shots, you know, back to back to back. Uh, I mean, whatever. I mean, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, hey, nothing wrong with drinking. People want to drink. Hey, it's fine. If you want to drink, that's between you and God. Um, but I'm just making a point. There is a, there's a line that gets crossed when it comes to certain free will that we have. There's a gray area. You know, it's like that old song, one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you guys are in California, so it's legal for you guys if y'all wanted to get a medicinal marijuana permit. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not even sinful. Right. If or that's if the you're way in it, Colorado or Oregon, you can just, or Washington, just, you don't need any permit. You exactly. You to a store. And I'm all for it. I'm all for it. it, it honestly, if somebody, it, it, the, the reason that I think, uh, I mean, it, it gets down to the point of at what point, did you take a hit or did you eat an edible or you took a drink of that ganja root beer or whatever? At what point are you no longer able to witness to somebody with a clear head? Right. That's the, that's the bottom line. The same thing goes with alcohol. The same thing goes with anything. Now, um, obviously I, I think that, you know, hard drugs, they should just be off the list totally because they are used in by many religions throughout the, the culture of the world. Uh, these, these, uh, hardcore drugs that even if they're derived from natural sources, they open up your third eye. They literally allow you to see the spiritual realm and that's dangerous. So I think there's no justification for that, but obviously somebody wants to have a drink or they live in a state that they're allowed to medicate with marijuana because they don't want to take pharmacia that some you know doctor created with chemicals. Hey, you know, that's between them and God. It's not my place to judge somebody. And you know, I don't know what people's intentions are. So, but I just want to make that point that if a Christian wants to go out and grab a beer with somebody because they want to become all things to all men, like Paul did, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that might be your in. That might be your doorway with a guy at work. Hey, you want to go grab a beer tonight? Catch the game? Yeah, sure. Okay. You know, as long as you can draw the line and keep a clear head so that you can share the gospel with them, right? you know, I'm all for it. But I think that the culture <clears throat> is not like that. The culture says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to keep up with this guy. Do Whatever he wilt. drinks, I'm drinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a sense of proving your worth in that culture. Uh, but tying it back to the whole together or reset 2016 thing, because I think it's relevant here to the conversation. They talk about their goals here and they talk about, you know, we're building towards something unprecedented. And they talk about, here's a quote from the website. We believe Jesus can do unprecedented things in our time. Our dream is for more than 1 million people, people from all backgrounds to be part of this generation defining day. And, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to, again, I think that the the folks here are coming from a good heart, you know, they're, they want to do something positive and stuff, but I'm, I'm just, I don't know if the afraid is the right word or just 
cautious, I guess, about how this idea of everybody's in, uh, you know, sort of thinking is being used because, you know, the, the idea of unity in the context of the new world order topic that we've, you know, we were started the conversation with is, is sort of this, uh, you know, it's that tolerance sticker, right? Where all the religions are the same and it leads to something that is antichrist, you know, and that's kind of the, the, the thing that worries me about this whole thing is like, yeah, you know, we're different, but we're going to come together in Jesus name. Well, some of you guys might be coming together in Jesus name, but you know, what's the point of unifying under something that's not common within everybody, but then saying it's, uni I don't know, there's, there's just some confusion there for me. I don't know. Do you think that events like this that we're, we're going to see here in the next month, do you think it is the apostasy of the church? Oh yeah, no question about it. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be real bold here. Uh, the first question that I think any of these performers need to ask themselves or that we would, we if we were going to be putting them under scrutiny and we got to talk to each individual performer, my first question would be, do you know that the Pope is going to be delivering a message? Right. Do you know? And, and I guarantee you, like Lecrae's probably sitting around smoking a joint or whatever. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a joke. Uh oh, that's going to no, get like, back to, to Lecrae. He's going to rap no, about like, you. Lecrae's chilling, whatever. And he gets a phone call from his agent, you know, and he's like, yo, Lecrae, uh, got this really big event coming up. And that's uh, this Pulse event. It's going to be huge. Everybody's going to be there. Hillsong's going to be there. You know, your boy Ravi's going to be there. Um, oh, and by the way, let me tell you how big it is. The Pope is going to be delivering a message. Now, that should be enough to give a red flag to anybody who's spirit-filled. Right. But in the event that Lecrae sees it as a good thing, well, that just tells us he's part of the apostasy. Mm. Um, I'm not saying he is. I'm just making the point that I guarantee you when his agent told him about the event, I got you this gig. It's going to pay such and such, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, uh, the people that are performing, they're going to get money. Oh, yeah, Th of There's going to be money involved. Of course. So, it's a huge event. It's huge. And so I look at it like, yeah, they know. They know the Pope's going to be dropping a message. They know. And that's the problem because that's them signing their name on to the Pope. That is them saying, we believe in unifying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're going to take this giant cosmic eraser and we're going to go back and erase all of the reformation that took place. And I, that's dangerous. That's so dangerous because it's bringing the church back under the rule of the Catholics. And, the, you know, there are, we don't, we don't have to look very far to find out that Catholicism is a totally satanic pagan religion that prays to idols. Um, there, they even tie Mary into the salvation plan. Um, I mean, the list goes on. It's not a Christian religion. And I, I believe if somebody is a devout Catholic and they actually practice those things, but you know, some people, Oh, well, I was raised Catholic, but I go to a Baptist church now. Well, yeah, they're not praying to Mary, you know, but if somebody's actual Catholic, and they pray to Mary, they pray to the saints, they go through the rituals, I don't believe they're saved. And I don't believe that they can be saved while they're practicing those things because those things are abominable. It's, it's, it's idol worship, it's paganism, it's witchcraft. So I, I think that anybody that agrees to go and, and, and you know be a part of something like this, it's no surprise for me Hillsong will be there. I mean, Hillsong there is apostate as they come. Um, I mean, granted, I've seen them in concert and I used to love Hillsong, but when I woke up to Hillsong, and I woke up to their ecumenical movement where Brian Houston said that, you know, we all worship the same God, Allah to the Muslim, Abba to the Jew, God to the Christian, uh, or Jesus to the Christian. I forgot how he worded it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all set up. It's all set up. It's all planned. You know, somebody told me something one time, and I think it kind of correlates with all this. They said, if you want to be successful in, 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 in ministry, like real successful, like, you know, millions of dollars. They, they said, if you want to be successful in ministry, Justin, they said, all you have to do, be ecumenical, teach people that Jews go to heaven without Jesus, teach the cat. Yeah. No, 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 I'm, 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 I'm really being serious right now. And they were not, they were not recommending that I do this, but they were telling me this is how it is now. And right. this is a very, very well-known minister who at one point was on top. I mean, he was just very well-known. I'm not going to say his name, but he said, you know, preach that the Jews go to heaven without Jesus, you know, raise funds for Israel, you know, connect up with these other ecumenical groups, blah, 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 blah. And it's all connected. It right. makes sense. But if you want to stand up and, and preach that Christ is the only way and you want to preach that these heretical acts are not acceptable, well, your ministry will never get famous. And he knew that I was not wanting to be famous. He knew that I just wanted to expose wickedness and, and preach the gospel. So, um, but he was just giving me a little bit of an idea of how it works. And it's funny because, I mean, look at some of the most successful ministers that are out there, the most famous ministers. They're buddies with Israel. They're buddies with the Vatican. Which, by the way, the, the Israel, same. yeah, yeah, the, the Vatican and Israel, they're, they're, they're birds of the same feather. Matter of fact, uh, before Francis, uh, what was it, uh, Pope John Paul and Ratzinger, they're both Jews, um, according to modern uh, definition of bloodline. Um, both of their grandmothers were of Ashkenazi, I believe it was, descent, um, which was very ironic. And Pope John Paul, you know, he, he was able to go over to Israel and, and preach a ecumenical universalist message at the Dome of the Rock. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's all connected. It's all connected. And the Pope said, whether you're Jew, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Buddhist, you're all going to heaven. You're all going to heaven. You're all God's children. He said, Jesus, uh, the work of the cross was a failure. I mean, we're dealing with the most ecumenical universalist movement that I think we've ever seen in the church. And it's all going back to the Vatican. And if it doesn't get any worse, well, it does. Okay. Are you guys familiar with IHOP? Not yeah, the Pancake yeah, House. International but the, House of Prayer, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, the guy that started IHOP, Mike Bickle, the guy is very questionable. Very questionable. I mean, the guy, he's got affiliation with you know, just goodness. But Mike Bickle, being as shady as he is, um, first of all, let me, let me just drop a couple of statistics, okay? All the major denominations over the years have kind of shrunk. Statistics prove this. But the one group that keeps flourishing and growing and getting bigger and bigger is the Charismatics. Now, I would consider myself somewhere between Baptist and Charismatic, just to throw it out there. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the authenticity of the word. And I think you have to have a balance to understand that they both are in existence together equally, the word and the spirit. Now, with right. that said, Mike Bickle practices charismania. Okay? I don't believe that the stuff he teaches is the biblical gifts. I do believe in, the, I do believe in spiritual gifts. But I just, I believe that what, what he really pushes and the people he affiliates with, it's, it's counterfeit, what some people would call kundalini. What's but, an example of that? Uh, an example would be you come down to the front, somebody lays hands on you and they start babbling over you and then you fall on the ground and you start rolling around barking like a dog and they say that was the act of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Or uh, Bill Johnson calling down glory clouds, um, the gold dust on the shoulders, the angel feathers that fall down. Um, all these things. Um, and you know, and I know there's some Are those very, particularly unbiblical things? 
they're things that have no basis in scripture. And the only argument that these people have is that Jesus said, you will do greater things than I did. That's their argument. And, but the problem is, is that these things, they fail every time we we compare because there's always going to be flaws in what's taking place. Now I do believe in the spiritual gifts. Absolutely. I don't believe the Bible ever says that they stopped. Uh, I'm not a cessationist. Uh, Matter of fact, I think in the end times, the spiritual gifts are going to, we have to have spiritual gifting in the end days for some of the things that are coming. I believe the Lord, I mean, matter of fact, I believe the Lord operates on a regular basis with people just like he always did, but people have to be in a, in a state of submission to the Lord to operate right. like that. But well, I was just going to say the Mike Bickle thing. Mike Bickle is coming back right now from the Vatican. He met, uh, he went with um, Bill Johnson from Bethel church, Redding, California, Bill Johnson's right hand family. I should say right hand family. They're in charge of his prophetic school where they teach people how to prophesy. They teach people how to pray in tongues. They teach people how to operating the gifts as if you can just be taught how to have spiritual gifts. Um, right. And so, well, this is a question I have for you and I, I've been kind of looking into this, uh, both the charismatic movement as in itself, as well as the investigation into the charismatic movement, as far as people, you know, calling out certain things. And what I've noticed and the categories that I've started to try to put things and would, would like, you know, some, um, you know, outside input is extra biblical versus unbiblical. Because there are things, obviously, that are unbiblical. And unbiblical is obviously, is exactly that. It's unbiblical. It's not, it's not of God. It's not uh, verified by the word of God. Uh, and then there is extra biblical, which is things that aren't necessarily, um, you know, against the word of God, but are in addition to, and especially in the Christian truther prophecy sort of movement, where things like the book of Enoch or Jasher or any of those sort of things are used as extra biblical um, research tools or resources I see that in the charismatic movement where there are some things now, uh, uh, don't get me wrong. There are certain groups who are uh, just straight up unbiblical. There's it's undeniably unbiblical, but then there are other things where it just seems to be extra biblical. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's a fair question. And uh, my opinion on the matter is that uh, I think prof- modern day prophecy is probably a good place to, to kind of hit on this because it's very messy. Okay. Um, for instance, um, you go to Bethel church and, and I'm, I'm using Bethel because I've done a lot of research on Bethel. And like, they're I, the I, biggest one. They're the one to target if you're going <laughs> to do yeah, charismatic but, stuff. But you know, they, um, they, they do some of the stupidest things I've ever seen, like taking a puppet, saying the puppet's anointed by the Holy Ghost and headbutting people uh, as they go through the fire tunnel, um, air punching, air kicking people. Um, I, I mean, I, I've seen it all, man. I've seen, I've got the videos and people always say, they accuse me and say, well, you're just showing one little clip. I say, dude, I don't need but a 30 second clip of adults playing with a puppet, headbutting people. Right. Uh, well, you know, admitted, there's no, admittedly it's silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, at what age do you quit playing with puppets? You know, um, but, 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 but to even attribute the Holy ghost to that puppet and that that puppet can bite you in the neck and you get under the anointing and you fall over. I mean, at what point is this just absolute chaos? I mean, I, that is not 
the Holy Ghost of the Scriptures. We do Admittedly, not see that. It's silly, and I have not seen that. But there have been things like the grave sucking, and there has you know stuff like no, that's that. That's just demonic. Yeah, and and uh, actually, I don't know if we want to uh, pop this already, Gons. But Gons and I did do a, a pretty in depth um, first person. Exploration, investigative journalism of a lot of this stuff that hasn't come out yet. Um, But there are things like grave sucking and things like that where they've said, like, you know, this, uh, you know, this may have been referred to once as a, you know, whatever, and then got latched onto by, you know, other groups and made, uh, you know, seem to be canon by other groups made this seem like it's canon and then it's just actually never been done and nobody at Bethel has actually even ever heard of grave sucking except for those who have read it on Facebook. So there are things like that. And I only, I only bring this up because I want to be fair to people and I I have a lot of empathy for, um, you know, the different groups, you know, just trying their best to make the way in the world. But yeah. and, And that's not to take away from obviously a magical Holy Spirit puppet is quite silly. Yeah, uh, uh, but 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 I want to make a point about the prophecy. Um, yeah, sure. Because you know, I, I believe that the Lord still speaks, uh, but I do believe that the Bible is a closed book. Okay, I believe that the prophecies. Uh, I mean, the fact is, we've still got prophecies that have not been fulfilled yet, and so I don't believe that the Bible can be added to at this point. I believe it is closed yeah. and sealed. What's done is done. What's going to happen is going to happen. But I believe the Lord can still prophesy through people. Um, and some people like to call it a word of knowledge. Um, you know, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of Christians actually operate in the spiritual gift uh, and don't even realize it's a spiritual gift. It's like, have you ever been around somebody and you just get this, like, it's like the Lord, you know, Hey, the Lord really puts something on my heart. I need to share it with you. And then you share it with somebody and they're like, Whoa, how did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, by definition, that would be an act of prophecy yeah. uh, or, or a word of knowledge. Um, but people overlook it or a woman's driving and she's got a kid and, and any, any women listening right now have children. You'll understand this You're, You know, you get that motherly instinct and you know, something's wrong with your child. And then you get a phone call a few minutes later. Well, that's, that's a spiritual gift. Now thing is, is people don't always recognize them for what they are. Uh, science will try to explain it, logic, whatever. But in my opinion, those are spiritual gifts being operated. People just don't realize it. But the thing about this prophecy stuff is that churches are teaching people how to prophesy. Matter of fact, I, I talked to a young lady uh, a few years ago from IHOP. She, she was very active at the IHOP campus here in Atlanta, which there's a lot of just solid godly people at IHOP Atlanta um, that I have friends that are friends with. And, and, you know, we don't agree on all the theology, but they love the Lord and they really are zealous to share the gospel. So that being said, I'm sure there's probably people at Bethel with the same mentality. You know, they've got some jacked up theology at Bethel in certain areas but there's also people of God there that are just deceived. They've got some theology issues, but regardless, they will take you into a room. They'll have prophecy services. I've seen the videos. And uh, basically if you want a prophecy, you can get one. Doesn't cost you anything. You know, you ain't doing nothing on Friday night, head on down to get a prophecy. You know, um, that's pretty much the mentality. They hold these services. And I'm sure you guys have heard of the, the Bethel witch. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything by that name. Is that the, the born witch again who, witch? Nope. Yeah, uh, the, the wi- I don't know the specific thing you're talking about, but well, this you. witch, she, she writes a blog for uh, what's that site called? They let anybody write blogs, uh, Blogs. blog.com. Oh, yes. Okay. No, I think, it's called, I think it's, 
Pathios, or yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm not saying it right, but anyway, so she's the, the born again witch. She writes a blog and she's very much into witchcraft. Well, her friend took her to a Bethel prophecy service. She's like, oh, come on to the prophecy service, right? So this witch gets in there and she sits in one of the chairs and this group comes over and they start laying hands on her and prophesying over her. And they basically let her know that the Lord is so pleased with her life. Man, God is just so pleased with you. I mean, man, you are doing things for the kingdom and the Lord loves it. You're reaching people that wouldn't normally be reached. You know, they're just, they're, they're just painting her with these prophecies and she starts crying, right? She gets so overwhelmed and she believes that her prophecy was good. She comes home and writes about it. There's a practicing witch that just got told by the Bethel prophets that she is doing exactly what God wants her to do. She's exactly where she's supposed to be. And God's about to do amazing things with her ministry, basically. Um, that was the gist of it. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. So that's the problem is that we have these kids that are, that are basically uh, being trained up to just prophesy. Well, last time I checked, a prophecy was a word that came directly from the Lord. But they teach you in, in the Bethel School of Prophecy and, and even some of these kids that were going to IHOP Atlanta, um, this girl told me uh, years ago that prophecy is like eating chicken. And this is not a joke. This is actually, she really said this. She said, prophecy is just like eating chicken. When you're eating chicken, you eat the meat off and you throw the bones away. You, know, you spit the bones out. And she said, you know, you're not always going to hit, you know, every prophecy right. And I said, so that would make you a... False she says. Prophet. Yeah, what I was kind of milking her, you know, trying to get her to tell me. And well, she was like, that would make me a what? And I was like, mm, mm, you know, uh, I was like, that would make you a false prophet. And she says, well, how could you say something so terrible? I said, no, what's terrible is the fact that you would falsely prophesy over somebody in the name of the Lord. Right. And yeah, I said, this is dangerous. I said, what? I said, what sets a, a true prophet uh, apart from a false prophet? And she's like, well, what? She's all mad at this point. And I said, well, a true prophet of God is going to get 10 out of 10. I said, a false prophet might get nine out of 10. Right. And nine out of 10, well, you know, in their eyes, hey, that's a pretty dang good track record compared to the rest of the, the guys doing it. But the thing is, is that demons have the gift of soothsaying. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. We can go to the book of Acts and learn this. Demons will come, they're familiar spirits, they will possess or even surround themselves and speak to people, even a, even a Christian. I'll say somebody who really does love the Lord, but they've been misled and deceived. Well, I mean, what's the whole purpose of demons? Uh, in the spiritual war is to either break you down, to tempt you, to deceive you, to bring false doctrine to you. And so this person, they're all of a sudden getting these, these, um, you know, the, these, what we'll just call like a telepathic thought. And they're thinking it's a prophecy. Well, demons are outside of time. Okay. They're, they're in another uh, realm per se. Are they? Do you think you they are? Oh, absolutely. I think this is proven in the book of Acts because this demon was able to bring prophecies of future events to this girl. The King James uses the word soothsaying, which in modern English is fortune telling. So somehow a demon was able to bring knowledge of future events to this girl. Right. She or was lies. Able, well, well, but, but the thing is, is it says soothsaying and it's fortune telling. I mean, and, okay. and the fact is, so I'm just saying by definition, there's no, uh, there are false psychics out there, but there's also real psychics out there who yeah. channel. Right, and according sure. to the Bible, there's a real, there's real demons that can bring the, the gift of soothsaying. It's yeah. right there in Acts. And what happened, yeah. and, and this is proven right here in Acts, it says that what happened, Paul came around and Paul cast this spirit out of her. And as soon as this spirit was cast out of her, she could not prophesy or soothsay anymore. Right. Mm. And her yeah. pimps got very upset. She had handlers and her handlers got so upset 
because now they couldn't make money. Paul was messing with their pocketbook. Right. So they got upset and they tried to get Paul in trouble because he cast the spirit that allowed her to have those future events given. So there has to be some reality to this. There, I mean, that's it's right out of scripture. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that these people are all demon possessed over there that I don't want, I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but this idea that they might get three or four prophecies right for somebody's life, but then get, you know, the rest of them wrong. That's not of God. God is not going to give prophecies that don't come true. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I've seen an issue with in terms of, uh, I guess you can call it the charismatic movement in turn, you know, and just in my personal experience with it, it has been seemingly godly people on both ends of it, both saying or, you know, prophesying things that contradict each other. And, yeah. and, and it's like, well, then, you know, God's not the author of confusion. So, you know, like what's going on here? And and that's where I, I, I got really skeptical. You know, I'm, I've always been sort of skeptical of the whole charismatic thing, although I've softened a little bit on it in terms of, you know, the gifts of the spirit and things like that. But uh, in terms of the, the, I guess, I guess the, the, I don't know, the, the desire to have the experience. And I go back to this is that, um, and Basil and I, we've talked about this Basil, but yeah. you know, there is this, the, this vacuum of, um, experiential Christianity that, that, you know, there is this proper way to experience the Holy spirit and everything else. And it's biblical, but because, you know, there's an abuse of it, even a little bit, uh, you know, things can go haywire. And I think, it's important for us to investigate, you know, what is the biblical experience, experiential Christianity? What is it? Because, because there has been sort of a lack of, of foundation there. I think that's why, you know, a lot of, a lot of apostate churches have gone way new age, right? They got like the, what are they called? Like the circle things that they, you know, basically mixing the new age philosophy with um, right. Christianity to have experiences or having, uh, or, or even, you know, going back to Jesus calling, and Sarah Young saying, you know, I felt the mist of God, uh, you know, wrap me up or something. And it's like, what? That's not biblical. Uh, you know, just little things like that where it sort of confuses people and confuses me anyway. And it ties it to an experience where, oh, they had this experience. How dare you question this person's experience of mm. God? And, yeah. and it's, it becomes this difficult Especially thing. Especially if there's a biblical precedent. Yeah. If there's, yeah. Uh, if you can take that biblical angle. But again, you know, if there are two contradicting prophecies uh, concerning, you know, with two Christians that are Bible believing Christians, that's where I say, you know what? I don't know that it's always what we think it is. And the, the, there is this level of showmanship of prophecy that I think is, that could be dangerous. I'm not saying it always is, but it's, it's something to investigate more, I think. And, and obviously again, Basil and I, we've done a little bit of that and we'll do more of it, but uh, you bring up some good points though there. Justin. Well, well, you know, I'll say like on, on the topic of the gifts, um, I think that people really get confused because we've been taught in our culture that either the gifts have all stopped, you know, they were just for the days of the apostles and, and, and they've stopped. And a lot of people that hold that view, they also believe that uh, demon possession stopped. Um, believe it or not, there's a lot of people who believe that the gifts stop. They also believe that people are no longer possessed by demons. We don't have the power to cast demons out of people because we don't need to, because they're not possessing people anymore. Um, and I'm not putting a blanket Whoa. out there. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I'm just making a point that it, cessationism does come along with, uh, some, some other, because it's like, well, if we don't have the spiritual gifts, you know, we don't need to cast demons. I mean, there, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of red tape there. I don't want to get into all that, but I want to say this. 
there's <laughs> red tape is the perfect description. <laughs> but but no, there's there's some confusion with the gifts, and, and I think it's important to point this out that the spiritual gifts were not given to get you off, right? You know, and, exactly, and that's the yeah. problem we see. We see this lustful, perverted generation that just wants to get off. I mean, let me tell you guys, I I knew of a guy because um, I I spent when I first started walking with the Lord, I got hooked up with the wrong crowd, and I was hanging out with some of the hyper charismatics. And they were talking about going off into their closet. And man, this is creepy, dude. They talk about going up in their closet, turning the lights out, getting on their face and praying in tongues for like 12 hours. Like uh, that's dangerous. That's dangerous because at that point you're, you're rambling in another language. You don't even know what you're saying. And I believe that's opening the door for channeling spirits. And I believe that other religions do that. Hindus will do it. Matter of fact, I've seen videos of Hindus that are praying in tongues and they sound just like some of the charismatics praying in tongues. Um, but you see, the Bible says tongues were for a sign to the unbeliever. Um, I, I believe that the, the gifts are outlined. There's a purpose behind each and every spiritual gift. Right. And I don't believe if they were, it's like the Bible well, says to seek. Yeah. And even on the day of Pentecost, the, the, the Acts 2, um, where the apostles were first started speaking in tongues. I mean, they, it was not just babbling. Yeah, it, it was, was foreign tongue, they, right? they were speaking in specific languages that was then understood by other Jews visiting the city. And it was they, a sign to the and Jews. That was the sign. They said, how do these Galileans know our language? What, how are there dozens of different languages being spoken right now? And that was the, you know, that's the original speaking in tongues and uh, oftentimes the biblical reference for it. Um, you know, I, I'm not taking hard stance really on anything at this point, but that being the first example of speaking in tongues, I mean, those were specific languages with people there who were there divinely appointed to hear the tongues and hear specifically the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what was being communicated at that time. And it also showed the Jewish people there that God was not only working with the Jewish people. Right. Yeah. It was showing them that God is now speaking to the Gentiles. And it was like, it was pretty much, so we, we see yeah. that taking place. Well, in the Pentecost. text says Jews and those converted the Judaism, but yes. But when you get to first Corinthians and you, you start kind of studying the gifts, according to what Paul wrote, um, well, that the spirit wrote through Paul. Um, what we see is that uh, tongues are mentioned as a sign to the unbeliever. And um, I believe that those tongues can still operate today. I believe I've, I've actually heard stories of people yeah. in a mission field and they're yep. speaking in their own language. And, and here's this, this, you know, uh, Aborigine or whatever, and they don't speak English, but they're hearing in their native tongue, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yep. And yep. to me, that's a biblical understanding of tongues. Um, but the, the idea, you know, when people pray in tongues, guys, it's really interesting. They've done studies on this. And when people pray in tongues, that there's a stimulation in the brain, a spiritual stimulation that, They've they've recorded. They've been able to go in and look at it and see. Right, yeah. There is there is something being stimulated in the brain that, that makes people feel really good. It's it, it's edifying somehow um, to the person. But I still lay on the side of I believe in tongues. But where in the Bible does it say go and pray in tongues? I see speaking in tongues. And again, the, the word tongues we see you know a known language somewhere in the earth. Um, I, I I just I you know it. I had a very bad personal experience uh, with a demon when I used to pray in tongues because um, I, I was taught how to pray in tongues when I was going with these people. And, and, and I, I've since stopped. I, I stopped very quickly. This was years and years and years ago. But 
you know, I don't judge anyone if they want to pray in tongues. I mean, hey, if, if, if that's them making a joyful noise under the Lord, that's between them and God. Um, but if I go to a church and people are running around speaking in tongues, well, that's unbiblical because the Bible talks about an order of things. And right. um, there has to know, be a translation. Yeah, which means that's it was real tongues. Yeah. Somebody would understand it. Yeah, and, and the fact is, somebody understands what they said. Well, that was actually a biblical tongue right there. Well, what, what, what did you hear? Did So if I was preaching somewhere, if I'm speaking at a church and somebody stands up and they yabba-dabba-do, well, my first thing is, is to say, okay, okay, we, we understand that you just yabba dabba dude. Is there anybody else here that understood what they just said? That would be my first order of business. I would stop preaching, stop speaking and say, did somebody here understand what they just said? And if yeah. nobody said anything, I would say, you need to be silent, sit back and, down. And to be <laughs> fair, I've heard it in both ways. You know, I've, I've heard somebody and I, I, I got to take it back to the experience of the individual Christian as well. Not saying that they are, you know, holy in everything they do, but I've, uh, in, in investigations, what we've been doing, I've seen it where somebody will stand up just right, either usually in the middle of worship during a, a time of worship, but sometimes in uh, a moment that is, yeah, I've never seen it in a moment where it was completely wrong for them to do it, but they'll stand up and they'll speak. And uh, as you put it, which is <laughs> pretty accurate, this yabba dabba do speak. Um, and I've seen it where um, almost immediately after, and I have, I did not recognize it as any earthly tongue, not to say that I know um, all of the thousands of languages that are spoken, uh, but it was not a language that I could be like, oh, that's French or that's Mongolian. And they would go off for about 45 seconds and somebody else would stand up and be like, and give a translation. But I've also seen it in the exact same situation where a translator or a translation or a person with a translation never stood up. So it, it, it made, in my own notes, it made it an interesting uh, conundrum, which is why is that one person getting a translation? Why is that other person not getting a translation? Where, I mean, if I recorded both of the speaking of tongues, and again, I don't know. I don't know that many languages, but they neither of them sounded like they were, you know, real earthly languages. And, and I think that's a problem. The problem is that we're dealing with, and I think the old telltale, you know, explanation uh, with a lot of people is that it's your own personal prayer language between you and God. Right. And, you yeah, know, I, I don't, I don't see that in scripture, but at the same time, I've got friends that believe that friends that I love with all my heart and I know they love the Lord, but they've just, they believe this and I, yes. I won't divide with them over it. But at the same time, you know, what I don't want is I don't want us to be, you know, having a time of prayer and then they just start, you know, busting out because it's, it's unbiblical. Um, it's an unbiblical practice. Now uh, your prayer life is your prayer life. And that's between you and the Lord. And, and, and when you're at home praying or you're in your car, if if somebody wants to to pray in tongues because they've you know they feel like that's what they need to do, um, that's between them and God. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know get involved in that. Uh, when I say I'm not getting involved in that, what I mean is I'm, I'm not gonna get involved in a debate over it. It's like you know right. there, there's more important things we can be talking about. But even biblically speaking, tongues is the least of the gifts. It's a lower gift. Right. And Paul says yeah, it we says should all right there. Yeah. earnestly seek the higher gifts. And yeah. I mean. But that right there doesn't mean you can go get taught. That means to seek spiritually, pray and say, Lord, right. you know, 
give me these gifts as you see fit, please. Matter of fact, I pray daily that the Lord would, would, you know, well, not every day, but I, I probably should, <laughs> but I pray, I pray uh, pretty regularly that the Lord would pour the gifts out on me because I want to be able to use those gifts for the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, I mean, really, um, but I think the, th- this really ties back the whole, the whole conversation with the Catholics. And I think it's kind of nice that we brought this up because this was one of the, the connections between the Catholics and the charismatics over 10 years ago was, um, the charismatics were saying we are seeing an outpouring of the gifts in the Catholic church and in the Vatican. And that goes to show that they're operating in the Holy ghost. And so now there's, there's a bridge, there's a bridge that's been built over 10 years ago. And when Mike Bickle started IHOP in Kansas city, and again, I'm not speaking of any of the other locations. I'm just speaking of the one where he, you know, got started. Um, he is on record saying that he was inspired to start a 24 hour prayer room based on the mystical Catholic prayer practices of monks where they would just get alone any time of the day and they could just pray, 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 pray. Um, but their practices were unorthodox because they were obviously mystical Catholic monks. So um, there, there seems to be connections here. There's connections between the Jesuits and Islam getting started, um, which that's a whole nother show. Um, I, I've, I've broken this down. There was Jesuit connections with Muhammad's family, um, getting the Islamic religion started. And also doing that for the sake of having a foot in Jerusalem for the latter days. A lot of interesting information there surrounding that. We also know the Vatican gets a large percentage of our income tax. This is another very interesting discussion to have. But Kennedy and Lincoln, both, from research, anybody can check this out. They're both on record as meeting with the Vatican. The Vatican likes to meet with all the presidents. It's historical. And basically one of the questions that the Vatican will ask the president is that if it came down to it, and again, this is a big fat if, but if it came down to it, would you support the constitution? Would you, would you basically, would your loyalty, uh, your loyalties be to the constitution or would your loyalties be to Vatican law if it came down to it? Well, from the research that I've done, Kennedy and Lincoln were the only two presidents that said constitution. <laughs> And it's very interesting because neither one of them liked the Vatican. So, and Kennedy was a Roman Catholic, as far as the public is concerned. As far as the public is concerned, and to be in Parliament in the UK, you have to convert to the state religion, which is Roman Catholicism. Tony Blair had to convert before he could take that position. He's all about so, the New World Order. Absolutely. And, and, and Catholicism <laughs> is, I mean, if you go to the definition of the word, it's dealing with a universal religion, a uh, world religion. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we need to be keeping our eyes out for these things. Um, but there's a, if we can get everyone to join hands, you know, the Mormons, the Catholics, the Christians, the Buddhists, the Muslim, the atheists for that matter, whatever, if everyone will join hands with the Vatican, because the Vatican, they're, they're the ones who are really orchestrating this. And, and there's never been a leader, a religious leader of the world other than the Pope. I mean, he is the quote unquote religious leader of the world. There's nobody else that can even touch him. Right. And so, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. He will be the one to be doing the unifying and he's doing it. He's doing it through the music. A lot of the popular Christian music, if you really break down the lyrics, they're not biblically sound doctrine. A lot of these lyrics are just feel good. Jesus makes me feel good. And we got to unify unity, unity, unity. I mean, really it's, it's a lot of the Christian music. It is being, it's priming people for the one world religion. Yeah. And so I, I see all this is, is tying together 
And I think with this thing coming up, Gons, that you were talking about, I really do believe that this is going to be one of those things because think of all the Christians or the people who think they're Christian for that matter. They're going to show up at this event to worship God in their mind, hear a great worship concert, and then who comes up to bring us a message? None other than the Pope. Well, they're going to leave there having some respect for the Pope. I was reading comments on uh, some of these pastors' Facebook pages who were oh. there with Mike Bickle uh, because a lot of these charismatic pastors, they're, they're, they're flying back right now. Right now, they're on an airplane coming back yeah. from the Vatican. And I was reading comments because these pastors were posting pictures of them with the Pope and they were singing songs and worshiping quote unquote Jesus with the Pope. And what happens is they're like posting pictures of, of, of all this stuff as it's happening on their Facebook walls and their congregations are commenting, praise Jesus. Oh, this is great. We all love Jesus. That's my pastor. I had to quit reading comments. I was doing research for the upcoming show and I'm reading these, these comments and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, no, there's a, if you go to Nick Hall, who's the guy who, you know, started Pulse and who's behind this whole thing, there's a picture of him handing his book reset to the Pope. And I don't know if that's the comments you were reading, but man, <laughs> I mean, there were a few people that were like, get out of Babylon, you know, um, and zero likes. But then the ones that are like, oh my gosh, anything's possible. Or whatever you know, love wins, love wins, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, the, the, those were the. But there, there were a few people that it was interesting that a few people said, you know, oh, what what Nick Hall is actually doing is, um, you know, bringing the real message of Jesus Christ to the Pope. Well, really, I mean, is that really what's going on? You know, because although maybe in Nick Hall's mind that's part of it, I don't know. I don't know if that's really where his motivations at, you know, if you go to their website and look at it, it, it's all about numbers, you know, and that's always kind of a weird thing to me where they're like, Oh, we've seen, uh, you know, he's seen five, he's seen 500,000 young people come to the Lord. Well, okay. Like, is that even like, what is, what's that boasting about? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not even, that's not even what it should be about. You know, uh, maybe you have touched that many lives. I can't say that it's between you and God, but it's yeah, what about just, whatever happened to the narrow gate? Yeah, the narrow gate, right? Yeah. The narrow way. The, the I mean, path, I, yeah. And so I, I just find it strange. And, you know, just to throw in the wrench of all wrenches to this conversation and the Pope, and, and I mentioned it earlier, but I really am starting to believe that the Pope is going to be the one to announce this extraterrestrial thing, quote unquote, extraterrestrial thing. Because of all the things, and Tom Horn and Chris Putnam over at Skywatch, they've been doing their research, their due diligence on this topic, but there are a lot of Catholic bishops and, and people coming out of the Vatican that have been saying this for years, uh, that, you know, we have to accept these space brothers, all the, the famous comments about, you know, baptizing a Martian, blah, blah, blah. If you look at what's happening in space propaganda, and I'll call it that, it's all about finding life out there. You know, it, I mean, it, it's accelerated so much in the last just six months even you know oh there's water on mars oh there's might be life uh, underground ocean on one of the moons of saturn or jupiter it's just like coming at us like crazy and i really think this is all part of the setup to to uh you know to, to announce this thing and i get the feeling that when the announcement comes it, it's kind of a two-phase thing you know the announcement is one thing but the actual arrival is another you know and that might be a lot more in terms of fulfillment of biblical prophecy with the antichrist and and all that 
uh, the announcement part of it, I don't know, but it, it, it just seems like, man, the, the whole part about Jesus warning about deception, don't be deceived, don't be deceived. Matthew 24, you go, you go in there and it, it just seems to line up that there's this, you know, even the elect could be deceived if possible. This is going to be a very strong deception. And it seems like a lot of the church is, is being swept away with this apostasy thing. And I think the alien agenda is hiding, you know, in the wings waiting. Cause ultimately what are they trying to set up? Yeah. The one world religion, the one world government, all that stuff. But why, you know, what's the purpose for that? I think it's got everything to do with the beast and, and the image of the beast, the mark of the beast, the antichrist system, all that coming together and really seeing, you know, biblical prophecy be fulfilled. So, you know, I think we're a lot closer to things unfolding than, than people realize. And again, it may all be just, uh, you know, a pattern that leads to nothing in terms of our lifetime or whatever, but man, how things are moving. I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Okay, Justin? What, what if, well, what if you, uh, earlier you posed the question about the, the next big event or, or the big event of, what's it going to take to, to basically crush the society of America right. to get everybody to, you know, whatever. Sure. Uh, I mean, whether it be unification, whether it be separating the sheep from the goats and the government's eyes or, or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, you know, well, what if I'm just going to throw it out there. What, what if it's not a, a nuke? What if it's project blue beam and a artificial rapture? Yeah, because absolutely. I mean, we, we got crisis actors all over the place. They're yeah. a dime a dozen. And so, I mean, they, they basically, they create a fall, an artificial rapture, they get on the news and they basically uh, make it look like millions have disappeared from all over the world. And uh, everybody's freaking out. Well, obviously you and I would know better. We would know, well, this is just a big hoax because we're still here. Yeah. Um, obviously. But at the other, the other, you know, end of the spectrum is that these, these people who think they're Christians, well, they're instantly, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, this is going to sound horrible, but most of the, fake Christians, most of them believe in a pre-trib rapture. It's like, that's part of their, uh, that's part of what's sold to them, you know, to get them to come to church. You know, it's like, well, Hey, you know, you, you get a, get out of hell free card. Basically you get your fire insurance. You're going to get a rapture card. I mean, and I know that there's a lot of solid Christians that, that believe in pre-trib. I'm not, I'm not attacking them in this. I'm just making a point that almost every fake Christian, they've been given that as part of the sell point. Of Christianity, right? And Preacher Rapture, and it's sad and to see it with the with the the movies. Uh, what what movie was it? The uh, gosh, what was it called? The the Tim LaHaye movie that the, oh, Left Behind, Left Behind, and the, led astray. Yeah, and bro, <laughs> I know. And just reading the comments on on that film and people talking about it, it was like, whoa! I didn't realize that many people were so about this, you know. And it's like it's it's not biblical at all the way they show you know like oh all of a sudden this guy's gonna be driving and then it, it, it's not in the bible they take it from certain passages and, like, no, and then 144,000 you know? get saved it's this magical jewish revival of 144,000 and they're the preachers of the gospel because we are all in heaven i mean <laughs> it's just it, it, it's, it's a picture like it's like a norman rockwell painting except it's like cosmic and uh, the problem let's say they, they do create a fake rapture which i think it's i i really think this could be a scenario so they create a fake rapture and people are just going nuts. People are losing the false faith. You know, they had a false faith. They start to fall away. Mm. And, and, you know, I mean, I know there's a debate whether or not one can lose their salvation or not. I tend to believe in eternal security. I believe it's real. I believe you can have it. Um, people always go back to Solomon and other people say, oh, they walked away. Well, 
you know what? I, I don't debate the salvation issue. What I do is I make sure that I'm right with God. I make sure that I've worked out my salvation in fear and trembling. That's that's what I have to do. Right. And I, I, I know that my soul is secure in the Lord because he's my shepherd. I mean, I, I, I know his voice. And so, but the idea is that even, even if, if, you know, let's say that, that I'm right and that you can't lose your salvation. Um, let's just say that there still could be a time in, in the prophetic timeline where the falling away is like a one-time event. Like it's only during that time period that people can walk away from the salvation. I don't know. It's very debatable, but regardless, we do know that there will be a falling away. Bible says in in, uh, second Thessalonians that before the man of sin is revealed before that happens, I'm sorry. It says in second Thessalonians that before the day of the Lord and the gathering together Mm -hmm. of his, of his elect, so we're dealing whether or not it's one event or two events. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a dispensationalist and you're, you're wanting to argue with me right now. It doesn't matter if it's one event or two <laughs> events. What matters is that both of them, it says before this can happen, the man of sin has to be revealed, which we know according to Daniel 9, was it 9, 10, and 11? Uh, I believe it is. It's late, but I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, the abomination of desolation, Matthew 24, 2 uh, Thessalonians. Yeah. The Antichrist is revealed. And he's only revealed officially at the abomination of desolation, yeah. which is halfway through what people call the great tribulation, which I personally believe it's only the last three and a half years, which is the great tribulation, but still halfway through the 70th week, Antichrist is revealed. Boom. Abomination of desolation takes place. And at that point, we know there's three and a half years left. That's what I'm looking at. So people are going to fall away and the Antichrist is going to be revealed before Christ returns. Knowing that, knowing Second Thessalonians is so clear on that. Yeah, there has to be a massive falling away, and something has to cause this. And so, I think a fake rapture would possibly be the ultimate event to cause people to fall away. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned something interesting earlier in, in verse nine and ten of Second Thessalonians two talks about the coming of the lawless one will be, you know, with Satan's works and, and all signs of. Uh, powers and signs of wonders that serve the lie and and, and you know the, the whole idea of there being false signs and wonders is sort of the point there and it deceives uh, those who are perishing you know it, this is the point that i it's very strange to me and very deliberate in the end times and i've talked about this before but as the age comes to an end it's almost like the Calvinists and the, the, the whole argument about, you know, whether Calvinism or uh, Arminianism, you know, who's right, you know, predestination or not, or all this stuff. It's kind of like, oh, it's solved with end times biblical prophecy, because in the end times, yes, there are a set predestined people that will be saved and predestined people that will that will uh, perish. You know what I mean? Like in terms of it's the end. So it's splitting, you know, and the deception is directed towards those who are perishing. So yes, the apostasy happens and this apostasy leads to those that those that are involved in the apostasy are those that are actually perishing, which is a very sobering thought. You know, if you look at, if you look at this movement with the whole pulse thing and the, you know, big thing, the Pope talking, all this stuff and all these Christians across America, you know, uniting and linking arms with this event and stuff like that. Whoa. How many Christians are, really aware of of these passages and what they mean and how relatable it is to the times we're living in you know how how you know relevant it is to what we're seeing and 
I just don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think there's that many people, that many Christians that are like looking at second Thessalonians two and Matthew 24 and Daniel seven, nine, 10, 11, whatever. And looking at the world through the filter of those elements and thinking, Oh my goodness, there is a lot lining up here. Um, it just seems like, and not to f- be exclusive exclusivists or something, you know, like, Oh, we understand. And other people no, don't, I mean, no, uh, that's not really the you. point, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's this element of like, wow, this, great deception is going to be huge. And, well, and I think that's, a, I think that's part of it all. I, I think that's part of it all because we're dealing with living in a time where people don't take the word of God seriously. They're sold this bubblegum Christianity where you say a little sinner's prayer and then you're basically secure for all eternity. You know, you, you don't have to get to know God. You know, all you have to do is show up, show up to church every once in a while. Um, don't have to read your Bible. And the thing is, um, I, I use the Hulk Hogan analogy. Like you guys know Hulk Hogan, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, brother. No, <laughs> yeah, brother. You actually, uh, Basil doesn't know any wrestlers. I but don't no, no, know um, any wrestlers, brother, except for Nacho Libre. <laughs> but no, um, but the fact is, like you both just said, yeah, I know Hulk Hogan, but in reality, no, you don't. You've never spent a day with him. You don't know him personally, and that's the whole mentality of Jesus in this culture. Is everyone says. Every quote-unquote Christian says, yeah, I know Jesus. Well, they really don't know him. Oh, yeah, you know uh, about they, him. They know of him, yeah. exactly, and they believe of him. I mean, look, we all believe Hulk Hogan was a wrestler. Heck, when we, hey, we believe in Hitler. We believe Hitler uh, was a leader of the Third Reich. We believe that he liked magic and space and aliens. Uh, I mean, you know, these are things that we believe, but we don't know him personally. And that's what it gets back down to, whether it's Hitler, Hulk Hogan, Obama... Um, you know, we don't know every detail and, you know, we have to know the details of God's character based on his word. We have to know what his word says. And if a Christian, I say, if somebody thinks they're a Christian, they are responsible to know the word of God. I'm not responsible for you guys to know it. I'm responsible for me to know it. And that's why I teach the Bible because I know so many people, they struggle with it. And so, you know, the Lord has blessed me to be able to teach the word. And the problem is that people don't want to learn it because they think that they're good where they are. I'm good. I don't need to know God's word. I believe in Jesus. That's good enough for me. But the problem is, as Paul said, in the latter times, they will teach a different Jesus. And I think that's where we're at right now is this, this different Jesus is being proclaimed. And that's why we have homosexual churches that, that, you know, they all claim to be Christian, but they've got homosexual pastors and all this other nonsense that's unbiblical. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's the deception. It goes back to what you said earlier. It's a demonic deception. It's satanic. It is priming the pump for the end times. And according to scripture, the end times started back in the book of Acts. And so to try to figure out where we are on a timeline, well, I don't know. But what I do know is that every man and every woman is responsible to know the word of God because if they don't know what God is, who God is, what he expects, what he does, they will not really be counted righteous in that day of judgment. You have to know who God is and what he expects. And the only way you're going to know that is if you study his word through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, at the end of the day, there can't be two true meanings of one passage. I hate to say it like this, but um, it's kind of like a friend of mine, we were talking about the rapture and he says, hey, look, you know, you got pre-trib and you got post-trib people out there, pre-wrath, mid-trib. He said, they can't all be right. At the end of the day, only one is right. Yeah. And 
at the end of the day, there's one true interpretation of scripture and that is by the Holy Ghost, the one who gave it, the one who inspired it. Bible says that scripture is not open to any private interpretation. So I think it's very important that people wake up and start reading their Bibles, even if they can't understand the King James, um, you know, get a Bible, pray that the Lord would guide you as you read it. And if you're hungry to seek, you will find. But, you know, these people who don't know Jesus, they know of him and they believe of him. <laughs> if you want to use that terminology, yeah, they're screwed. Uh, they are screwed in that day of judgment. And, you know, how many people are going to come before the Lord? It says in Matthew, they're going to come before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I did this in your name. I did that in your name. Well, God's going to say, hey, you know what? Depart from me. I never knew you, worker of iniquity. Now that's scary because these people thought they were saved. Right. They even cast demons out. So yeah. I think it's scary. It's scary. Wow. And that should be enough for every person to say, I need to make right with God right now. I need to make sure that I am saved. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, the, the, the whole, and just one more thing with the, I keep bringing it back to the alien thing. It's on my mind a lot, but uh, aliens. On the I brain, know, bro. I know. Uh, but, but it comes back to Galatians one eight, you know, uh, even if we were an angel from heaven should preach, to you, a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be cursed, you know, and people don't heed that warning. And if, if there is this sort of, you know, revealing of these entities or whatever, and they preach a different gospel, uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the greater church is primed to accept whatever change comes. Right. But you know, it's pretty clear what it says there. So I don't know, man, well, who better to unite all the churches than the man who is willing to baptize an alien. Exactly. <laughs> And for the record, I do believe that whoever the Pope is during the tribulation, I believe he will be the false prophet. I believe that 110% with every ounce of my being, I believe whoever the ordained Pope is or commissioned, whatever you want to call him, whoever he is during that time, he will be the false prophet. That's yeah. my stance. That's interesting because, you know, I used to not think uh, the, 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 you know, the Vatican had that much in the Bible, like in terms of Bible prophecy. And, you know, everyone said, oh, it's Rome, the mystery of Babylon is Rome and all this stuff. And, you know, I, I really like the work of Chris White and he goes against some of the traditional views on that. And I, and I largely agree with what Chris is saying. And what's interesting is that given the circumstances of what's happening with the Vatican and the Pope and everything else, you know, I'm coming around to more of like, okay, I think there's a unification even there in that, you know, mystery Babylon is a city and times Jerusalem eschatological Jerusalem, but that in itself has very much a lot of ties to the Vatican and the whole system there and the Pope and his role uh, of the false prophet based on revelation 13 and the second beast. Uh, it's pretty compelling evidence, you know, having horns like a lamb, but speak like a dragon. I mean, if we talk about the Pope now and you know, the whole uh, Pope prophecies and saying that this is the last Pope, we don't know for sure, but man, uh, it just seems like a lot of these things are lining up. So, well, scripture is pretty clear. I, I think that there's no there's no question about mystery Babylon. I definitely believe that uh, we have biblical evidence to back up the fact that it's Jerusalem. Yeah, um, I, I think there's really not a debate there. Unfortunately, people well, will debate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, but, that, but I agree just, with you. But yeah, I I know that people um, will take verses here and there and, and say it's it's the Vatican. And, and you can, you know, like the scarlet and stuff like that. But if you take a, a holistic approach to what everything says in Revelation 17, 18, 
Um, yeah, I agree with you. It's Jerusalem and times. And you Jerusalem. can compare that with even some scripture of things that Jesus said about Jerusalem and they line oh, right yeah. up. Oh yeah. So I saints mean, being killed in the city. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's right on point. It's right on point. And you know, I think the synagogue of Satan is active today. I'm not going to get into that, but, um, <laughs> I think the synagogue of Satan is very specific yeah, and I think no, it, I it, it's, you. it's not, it's not a mysterious comment uh, that was just, you know, accidentally put in Revelation 2-9. Right, right. Um, but regardless, I think these are, these things are all working together. Um, I mean, come on, Israel was, uh, Israel, modern day Israel was brought into play uh, by the Illuminati. I mean, you go visit Israel right now and you're going to see just tons of Illuminati stuff everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you're going to, you're going to have plaques on the wall of their, their uh, official government buildings, uh, basically showing that the Rothschilds pretty much own it. Um, I mean, yep, yep. It's, it's, it's pretty it, straightforward. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't get any more, uh, real than that. And so, I mean, really, um, I do think that Israel did have to be back on the map as a recognized nation for the end to take place, because obviously I believe that the abomination of desolation will take place in Israel. I believe it'll happen right there in Jerusalem. But I think the Vatican having control over that area. And again, this goes right back to the Jesuit control of Islam a lot of people just they're in so much denial about this and they're going to hear me say it and they're going to just deny it without even researching it but people do your research uh you'll find out there are connections between the the origins of islam and the jesuits and what is it doing but setting up a foothold in the middle east and is it just by chance that islam is in control of the temple mount hmm, i don't yeah. think so yeah <laughs> the jesuits have had this plan for a long time they're clever they're witty and it's also possible that many of the modern day Muslims who live in Palestine, it's very possible that they are the descendants of ancient Israel. Yeah. Uh, that, came, that came to me directly from uh, an Israeli geneticist. So they've mm. been there forever. They've never left. They've always been there. A, a new dynasty would come in and take over and they said, hey, look, you convert to our religion, you learn our ways, uh, or you die or you leave. And they wanted to stay. It was the easy thing. It was a comfortable thing. Same thing took place in the book of Daniel when all the Hebrew, all the Hebrew kids, they were eating the, 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 the king's delicacies and drinking his wine. Mm. And, you know, they succumbed to the Babylonian system and they were able to live a comfortable life right there under Nebuchadnezzar's rule. So, I mean, really, uh, I think that it's the same kind of stuff that's been happening over and over again over the years. We see a pattern in scripture. And I, I think that, um, you know, it failed. Uh, the one world order failed in the Old Testament because it wasn't the, the right time. But we know we are entering into a time where, you know, it, it could be in this lifetime. It could be a hundred years from now. We don't know. All the apostles thought they were going to see the return of Christ in their life. Yeah. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. So yeah. um, I think that, you know, we have to be vigilant. And the scripture tells us just like this. It says, occupy until he comes. Yep. Occupy with your spiritual occupation. You need to be doing work for the kingdom as if you're a real Christian and I love the term soul winning. I know it's kind of a Baptist term, but I love the term soul winning. And I, I think that that's really, um, that's the highest calling besides serving God and walking with him daily. Um, it's, it's, it's the highest calling in this life is to share the gospel with other people, the great commission in action. And, um, you know, I think that we just need to be very, very much keeping an eye on the, uh, the ecumenical movement. Um, I think it's really heating up. And I think this, this, this whole thing coming up here with the Pope and, and these famous Christian artists. I mean, it's, I really think that's a sign that we're getting much closer than we might think. That's exactly how I felt, you know, and 
we're gonna wrap it up because it's so late. But yeah, you know, no, you know, that was great. You know, what's crazy is we didn't even touch on CERN or the Gotham <laughs> Tunnel opening or. I know, oh, and I had was, stuff ready, dude. I I think prepared. I know. I was prepared. This was for just an too. awesome uh, conversation about uh, you know maybe some stuff that doesn't just get talked about Enough. just straight up. You know, I mean, it gets added into a lot of other conversations, but I think uh, this was a really interesting conversation just to have, you know, free floating without having to without having to add in CERN or the Mandela effect. Well, you know, well, we uh, didn't include the Mandela effect, but, you know, some people thought they were going to get a, a four hour block of comedy. And then it just shifted really hard and really fast. <laughs> some some serious practical theology. It was like from the producers of Canary Cry Radio, <laughs> <laughs> featuring Justin Fuale. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and this is <laughs> actually if if we put the umphal out over the A, I think it's like. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you know, and this is the thing that I, I've been dealing with this a little bit too, because uh, just with my other podcast was taking a little break there too. You know, I, I just have to believe that, um, th whatever comes out of this conversation is what needed to come out at, at this point. And I think there's going to be a number of listeners out there who are going to be like, you know what, this whole Orlando thing, this whole, all this other stuff, the CERN stuff, all, the, all sorts of stuff I could be doing right now. But, you know, once in a while, you got to get, you got to get back to conversations like this and just have that sort of um, conversation and hear that. And I think there's going to be a number of listeners out there who are like, uh oh, he's talking about me right now, which is, you know, this is the time that this needed to be out there. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you came on the show, Justin. I'm very grateful at, at where the conversation went. I'm very grateful about everything. Um, and that we didn't have to get too crazy. We could have gotten crazier. We got pretty crazy. Could have gotten more crazy, but, um, uh, overall, Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for being you. Thanks for bringing your uh, your your point of view to the show, and it, you know it's very delightful. And yeah, I'm glad you're here. That's so hosty. Well, uh, Thanks for being you. You know, guys, this is uh, this is like summer camp. It's like uh, you know, <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, like you know, before I got on, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And now I don't want to leave. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean I I get it. I, it's late. It was it was late. Late, late. I was, for I was really kidding, man. No, but, but seriously though, like, uh, I, I just, you know, some people probably got offended and, and, and turned the show off with some of the things that when we got into the Orlando thing, because people don't want to hear the hard truth that right. I mean, God is not a respecter of persons. God looks at things in righteousness or unrighteousness. And we have to get past the point of letting culture depict where we stand on issues. We have to get back to the word of God that it is not just some thousand year old book or thousands of years old. It's the word of God. It's timeless. And we have to stand by it. We have to have our faith knowing that that is the living word of God. I mean, the, the word of God is alive. And the only way it's going to really come to life in anyone's life is if you have the Holy Spirit. Then that book will no longer be a book. It will be a living, breathing understanding of who God is. So, hey, praise God, man. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, if anybody wants to check out the fourth watch, um, you can go over to Spreaker.com. It's Spreaker Radio. Uh, it's a podcast site. Go to Spreaker.com. Just type in Justin Fall, J-U-S-T-E-N-F-A-U-L-L. -L. 
hit me up over there. You can check out the show archive or you can go to your Google Play and uh, or Apple uh, App Store and just type my name in, Justin Fall. You can get my app, got all the shows archived there or head over to fourthwatchradio.blogspot.com. That's the number four, T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O dot B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T.com. Boom, I've said that a million times in my life. Hopefully you got that. Uh, or you can just go to Google and Google Justin Fall and you will be scared at what you find. But um, disregard my mugshot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, it's been it's been great, guys. Uh, it would have been cool to talk about CERN, but uh, I feel like these issues are, are very pressing and I think they're very relevant and current. Um, hopefully people are still listening and didn't turn it off. But uh, man, looking forward to talking with you guys again. Absolutely. And we'll catch up with CERN next time. Um, but yeah, there you go, everybody. Go check out his links. Just just Google it. It'll come up. <laughs> and, and don't disregard the mugshot. Just make that your desktop background. Uh, just to remember who you're listening to this whole time. That's good. That's good. All Thanks right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, man, I'm just going to go drink some rose water and get to sleep. All right. Yee-hoo. God bless. Good night. So there you go, guys. Hope, uh, you know, hope you hope you got something out of that. It was, uh, like I said, it's not necessarily uh, revealing the discovery of a Nephilim skeleton, but um, I think it was a valuable conversation. And it's probably a conversation that a lot of you out there are having uh, with your friends and with your church family and with your biological family you know these are conversations that are going on um you know i hope that we you know i don't know maybe not gave any revolutionary information but i hope we are fair to everybody involved um i don't know what'd you think guns yeah it dives deep into current social issues you know and as christians you know i think certain sentiments uh verbalized or not um, you know, should stand in certain places, you know, and it's, I don't know. I thought he did a good job of, you know, expressing his opinion and you know, it got heated sometimes, yeah. but it's not, you know, it's well, not anything we disagree even, with. It's I something, wouldn't even call it heated, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, he, he, I, it's probably too strong. It's it, it, passionate <laughs> is probably a better word. <laughs> well, I think it just expresses the difference uh, of opinions within the Christian slash Christian, uh, fringe community. I mean that we got to remember that within the communities. Uh, that we live in, whether it's Christian, Christian fringe, or whatever church, there's, you know, there's a, 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 a continuum of, uh, of thoughts on each subject. And I don't think, you know, I think it's good for people to be able to talk without, you know, I don't know, not being friends or leaving the church or calling somebody else a demon. Yeah. That's always a plus. Yeah, exactly. This is a thought that's been bouncing around in my head a lot. Which is that we're all the same, but uniquely different. Hey, that was really sweet, Gons. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this guy has feelings now. Those those broken hands of yours really gave you a new. Yeah, that, that's what I got out of it. <laughs> that that everybody comment right has there. feelings. We all think different, but we're the same. <laughs> Existential Gons. All right. Well, hope you like that, everybody. Um, Gons, you still got that YouTube channel rolling, right? It's less rolling, but it's it's moving. Less along. rolling. It's it's, it's it's moving at the pace of two broken hands. <laughs> made my last video with my toes. Nice. 
that's <laughs> how it is now. Uh, oh, I will say, um, you know, it was good to see everybody and meet new friends and stuff um, at Colorado Springs a couple oh, yeah. weekends ago. Very nice. That so was good. At the conference. And I will be at the conference next month, actually. Yeah, it's the bigger one. I will be at the bigger conference. Yeah. So you, you have fun there. I will. You got to represent us. I will. You, I will be there. My, as my handler, you represent me. <laughs> you, you might as yeah, well if, have a shirt that says, if, I represent Gons. If anybody's paying attention to the anti-Basil and Gons uh, propaganda, no, I, yeah. am, I am now the handler. I created Gons Shimura, <laughs> and I am his handler. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's probably the best compliments I've had in a while. So, <laughs> you a jerk who made that video um <laughs> uh anyways so there you go guys um anything else oh uh the joy spiracy theory uh if, if you haven't heard of it it's pretty cool it's an uh it's it's, it's it's my other podcast my my less cool less gons filled podcast um <laughs> <laughs> and I just had a new episode come out, I think last week, and a new one is coming out soon. So, uh, the Joy Spiracy Theory. Go check it out. Um, is that it, Gons? I think that is it. Awesome, dude. All right, everybody, there you go. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. <laughs> <laughs>